Afternoon, Trippadors, and welcome to episode 19 of You Call That Radio. I don't think we're actually doing numbers. I think it's 19. I confused it with the bonus episode. We're just going to ditch numbers for now on. Just welcome. Welcome. This is going to be a cracking episode. I'm excited for you to hear this. Because today we have an extended interview with Beer Jacket, one of Scotland's finest musicians. And we go way, way, way back. I can't actually remember a time where he never existed. One of my favourite writers, musicians, ever since. We caught up the other day in Astronomic Studio and he gave a brilliant insight into the wonderful world of Beer Jacket. We talk about inspiration, social media, writing, lots of good stuff. And before that, we're going to have a short interview with the most famous man on the planet right now. The most, probably the most famous man on the internet right now. He just became famous overnight because Eminem, the rapper, you know, Eminem, the rapper, Eminem stole his ideas, allegedly. The boys from Dundee, I happen to know him, so we're going to have an exclusive scoop free coming up with Z the Dungeness. So, just spoke to him on the phone there. Saturday night here, it's Saturday night, it's Burns night. When, when, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, or when this show will be, will be released, but right now, as you're reading this, it's Burns night. And I just left an actual burn supper earlier on. Shouts to Suze for cooking like a haggis wellington, like a pastry thing. And uh, there was a veggie one and there was a normal one. And it was lovely. Brilliant. And also shouts to Gordy for piping in the haggis and his full regalia. The hat, the kilt, the full, the full shebang. And then uh, my friend... Joe, who addressed the haggis, he did a great job of addressing the haggis. And I did the the Selkirk Grace, which is like a prayer you say before you eat the haggis. So it's something like, some him eat and cannot eat, and some would eat that want it. But we him eat and we can eat, so let the Lord be thank it. Or something like that. I might, I might not be doing that right. I understand anyone from out with Scotland's probably going to be a bit confused right now. But don't worry, I will explain what a Rabbi Burns is in a minute. Now, we don't, I've not ever been invited to a, a real Burns supper in my life. I've never, not as an artist or as a person. But we did run an alternative Burns supper for 10 years. Uh, well, 10 years next year. Friction Burns, I did be with Sammy B and over the years it was it was amazing had some great times doing that it's quite interesting because the con- the theme here is is that people stealing your ideas well we were the first alternative burn supper when you when you googled alternative burn supper there was nothing that existed before us 
And we did a good job in mashing up poetry, hip-hop, punk, rock, acoustic, comedy, poetry. And um, keeping free haggis and whiskey, neeps and tatties. And if we ever did chars on the door, it was always no more than a fiver. So I was quite proud of that. But it got to the point that everyone stole that idea so much that there's now about 20 alternative burn suppers. And although we are still the original and the best, I just... I'm trying not to do any live stuff this year for the first few months, just to focus on recording new material and focus on the podcast. So, aye, but so it's not like this is a normal thing to have a burn supper in in someone's in someone's gaff. Um, not in not in my world anyway. But we did it, and it's quite funny. There was a a friend of a friend who who was in from Mexico, and he just arrived from China. So, obviously, everyone was a bit hesitant at first because, you know, the, the coronavirus thing, you know, it is, it's been it's been on people's minds. So there's a threat of that, and then there's also, there's an even more real threat of people making really shite jokes about corona, the beer, you know, like you've just seen that, a lot of that on, on the internet, you know, people sharing a meme of a case of corona beer and saying, oh, I'm going to be... Phone in sick tomorrow and say I've got the coronavirus. <laughs> all that, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it was good for him to see though. Like the, so this guy's never been in Scotland before, and he, he gets he's in a flat in the East End to people, people in kilts playing bagpipes and reciting Burns poetry, which must be impossible to understand. You know what I mean? If you're a Mexican who's just been in China for a few months and then you arrive you know, in an East End flat and everyone starts speaking, well, one person starts reciting Burns poetry. I mean, most people in the West of Scotland can't understand Burns poetry. Uh, never mind, you know. It's an old language. It's an old language. But, yeah, as you can imagine, it's a Burns night, so the whiskey was flowing, the beer was flowing, the wine was flowing. To my credit, I didn't drink anything. And I never even smoked either. No vape, no gun, no no gum. And then, then on my way home, I stopped off at the carry-out shop and bought a carry-out of salad, literally got a carry-out of salad. And that's where I've been spending my, my Saturday night. I came back from the Burns night, <laughs> we salad, and then phoned Z to ask him if he really believes that Eminem stole his ideas or not. And that's been my Saturday night. So I thought I'd keep you posted in case anyone gives a shit. I'm just having a wee break from from the madness. It was an exhausting year. Festive time was um, quite busy. And then I went on a, a relaxing holiday, which wasn't a relaxing. It wasn't a relaxing holiday at all. And I, was, I thought that this episode, I was going to tell you a bit more about it because I've got some interesting tales and some interesting audio from my journeys. But... Because it is Rabbi Burns night and because Eminem stole a guy for Dundee's ideas and I could see a theme building. And also, even though the Dan Connell episode just dropped today, it's time to just do another one straight after because the Beer Jacket gig is on the 31st of January. So I thought I'm going to do my best to get this out in time for his big gig for Kilty Connections on the 31st of January. So today's theme... We'll do, we'll do all that another, another time. But today's theme 
It's people stealing your ideas. Rabbi Burns. What is a Rabbi Burns? And then the main event is Beard Jacket, who did a brilliant interview ahead of his massive gig on the 31st of January at the CCA. So, first up, let's have a wee song that I recorded with Sound Thief and Gordy Duncan Jr. It's about the time Rabbi Burns came back from the dead and they threw him onto a reality TV show. Do you know that White D from Benefit Street? She's on, uh, she's on Big Brother. Oh, that'll be why they've reincarnated Robbie Burns to put him in Benefit Street. You know the poet. Aye, but... I mean, he's not about, is he? He is about now. It's happened. It's happening. Reality TV brought the barb back from the dead to replace White D. Barb from the graveyard, they won't let him back in. He's a zombie woman, eyes are running, he's guilty to sin. Want an old Scots poem? Just ask him, want a sensitive soul? Just add in, he's struggling to comprehend 2014. Not that that would stop his notorious courting. To get the fun, you need the fame. Poetry's obsolete, so he signed up to a show called Benefit Street. He recites small scripts in Merrill Street and chooses Ecky over Lecky cause the price too steep. Camera's always on him. One way or another, Big Brother is watching him, watching Big Brother the poignant moment. So succinct and apt and cunning, he barely slapped the cunts currently running. His country being sold out to Amazon and Google, but they cut away to him, munching a pot noodle. The reincarnated Robbie Bongs last night with the shovel, a hip flask, and the flashlight. No one cares what Robbie thinks about taxing the elite, they only care what Robbie Bongs on Benefit Street. The reincarnated Robbie Bongs last night. With a shovel, a hat, flask and a flashlight No one cares what Robbie thinks of the tax and the elite They only care what Robbie bums on Benefit Street the barb is a joke now, the viewers are laughing at attack by paparazzi in his own home habitat. Mine's too small for concepts, you need the characters. Don't get funding for an idea unless you fit the narrative. We need two dimensional reshapes with three stripes. Take great delight whenever he fights. Which will only roll ups to suppress his appetite. Who's really on the menu? Cause money's too tight. Watch his colour TV, cause nothing's up for black and white. As he prays for a cracking right before he's back inside those losing get a Doing is the going gets good. Poverty porn hustlers razzle with the Ned Troop. Get loop as the anally attentive, get inventive and find new ways to fuck you with financial incentive. Rabbi painted a picture about it and became quite inventive, but it started with the spliff where the episode ended. The reincarnated Rabbi bombs last night with the shovel, a hip flask, and a flashlight. No one cares what Rabbi thinks about taxing the elite, they only care what Rabbi bombs on Benefit Street. The reincarnated Rabbi bombs. Last night with a shovel, a hat, flask, and a flashlight. No one cares what Robbie thinks of the tax in the elite. They only care what Robbie bums on Benefit Street. The bard is so famous now, his name is muddied by broadsheets. Clarkson and Little John belittle his broad speech. His regional accent is mocked and mocked the week. George Osborne uses him as an election plea. From the street, young team to the club drug scene. Thinks Robbie Bums is just another Marvin from the scheme. Marvel Super T, the anti hero. Ignorant the Roman numerals Concept of zero by high Sell low high I'm here to fix the deficit Deliver deliberate deception To the desperate in a desolate square mile Renaming whole towns Addressing the haggis with the cane Pass me downs They are playing the system by refusing to die Without this city 
Don ratings in a lie, squeeze metal, ignore Where Eric Packles biscuits cost Blame the fiction of the for the feather of the north I'm beneficent, proud of the hunger and the struggle The 8% price I can to keep warm huddle on Beneficent, proud of the pre-pay meter beating The cheap and nasty noodles, bad eating, lack of eating Proud of inflation, holding my family to ransom Proud of being sick, hated, jaded and sanctioned Beneficent, proud of the overcrowded tenement Suicide attempt, rent debt, left sentiments and benefit and proud of the MP's expenses The Queen gets a wage rise to buy higher fences Proud of where I've lived, becoming such a dive On benefits and proud of never watching Channel 5 So that was Rabbi Burns' benefits Sound Thief on the beat And Gordy Duncan Jr. recorded it They were talking about They talked about that song on Shireen Nanjiani's show on BBC Radio. So there you go. And it's also been taught in university and it also got broken down by an academic. So there you go. There's some trivia about that one. But um, I've kind of messed up because now I'm in a situation whereby I've just played a tune. It's about Robbie Burns and I've started telling the global audience that I would explain what a Rabbi Burns is. And that was before I fell asleep because I got distracted. Anyway, long story short, I fell asleep, woke up, and this podcast is going haywire. It was supposed to be... The plan was I was going to tell you about the weird trip I went on and then to a desert. I went to a desert. I was going to tell you about the weird trip I went on and then it would be followed by an extended interview with Beer Jacket. But then Eminem, the rapper... The big American rapper Eminem stole someone's ideas from Dundee, allegedly. And I had to get that scoop for you guys. Because right now he is the most famous person in the world. Probably the most famous person on the internet. And I thought, I've got to get him on the phone. And so we spoke to each other on the phone. He called you call that radio last night. And I've got that scoop for you coming up. So it was just going to be that, people stealing your ideas theme, because people have stole my ideas. People steal my ideas all the time. So I thought I would do that at the end of Beer Jacket. But then I went to that Burns thing. I went to a Burns supper. I got distracted, talked about that. Then I promised I would explain to the global audience, the global audience, what a Rabbi Burns is. And I don't really know what a Rabbi Burns is. I can't really explain a Rabbi Burns. If you've never heard of Rabbi Burns, if you are part of the global audience, all I can really say is he was a poet and he was a mad shagger. And he's quite a divisive figure in the Scottish poetry scene because of that. He did good poems, there's no doubt about it. He was a good writer. It never really inspired me as a, as a writer. Because, like, you know, it's old Scots language. So growing up, it was just too hard to understand. In the same way that Shakespeare, you know, when you're young, I know some young people like Shakespeare. Shakespeare, I, I couldn't get into it. But I've always, I was always fond of haggis and the occasional whiskey. So I quite like the idea of a Burns night. But if I'm being honest, I'll sound really uncultured. I really didn't quite, I never really got it. But as I'm getting older, I'm trying to see the beauty in language that that I might not have had time for before. So I do see the beauty in the language. 
but and I know that he wrote good stuff. I know he wrote anti-authority stuff. I know that he wrote pro-independent stuff. But it's all over my head for the most part. And also, you hear stuff. You hear stuff about Robbie Burns. Like, he was a tax man. He was a landlord. And he, he had a load of kids that he didn't look after. And, you know, when we, we did the Friction Burns Supper. But that was an alternative Burns Supper. And it was just to kind of bring the, the missing link to me in those days was why is nobody acknowledging anyone in the hip-hop scene as poets? And I thought by bringing, you know, because if Robbie Burns was, you know, as a, as a young Robbie Burns, he wouldn't have been allowed to go to a Burns supper where people or, or afforded it, you know, you know, before he was a, a landlord or a, or a taxman or whatever he was he done. As far as I know, by the way, I could be wrong about all this, but as far as I know, it was just like from from a humble beginnings. So you can't imagine him going to like a hundred pounds a head burn supper where everybody celebrates anti-authority poetry for like a couple hundred years ago. Anti-authority poets don't get into these things right now. You know, you're not going to get a rapper at these things. So I just thought the whole point of Friction Burns was to, it was either free or it was a fiver in. And everyone got a haggis, everyone got a whiskey. But to be honest, considering that I was involved in that, I don't really know enough about him. So rather than me embarrass myself anymore with my lack of knowledge, oh, he was for Ayrshire as well. He was for Ayrshire as well. Rather than me embarrass myself with my lack of knowledge, I thought, I woke up and went, why, this this podcast has turned into a Burns thing, and I don't know enough about Burns to, 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 to run with it. So I put a post up on Twitter and said, does anyone have wicked alternative Burns poems that I can use because I know there's a, a few good a few good people in the scene and the first person that got back to me was actually Victoria McNulty who won the the first ever you call that Radio Poet of the Year award we had a wee award ceremony to ourselves earlier this month and I started dishing out medals and Victoria McNulty won one of those coveted medals and she was Poet of the Year so she got back to me well, live video. I've turned that into audio. Guys Burn Supper 2018. So you can check out the full set on YouTube if you like. Poet of the Year, doing some Rabbi Burns chat. And then we're going to go back. We're going to have the, after that, we're going to have the exclusive scoop. We're going to speak to Z the Dungeness, the guy who got his ideas stole off Eminem, the rapper, allegedly. But here we go. First up, Victoria McNally.
maybe try a few weeks down the line, I'll continue it, in the same pub, which is a toll booth, by the way, if he's are finished after here and you want a wee double for like 1.30, off you go. Behold, the Scottish man, in his natural habitat, 20 yards from a labrooks, where all the punters wear bonnet hats, and when the lassies do enter of whiplash, their necks do suffer. But it's bad form to forsake your mates for some daft bird or other, but my eyeliner is set to stun and lipstick smear to kill. The crowd erupts, the pub exposed with a tin whistle and fiddle, and a smell of knockoff links that permeates the putrid sweat. Yes, you're fucking dead, summer boys in the back of the neck! Referees are wanker! Arms anchored, he reels me in back to rack stomach softened with stout, wet lips on spiritish cheeks, shy of meeting working man's eyes by the puggies. His scarf is green and white, tied tight, he swapped his neck for mine. He said he's never seen anyone prettier in hoops. Well, I know he's just plunking for toast in bed at one in the morning. This Scottish awkwardness conjured Presbyterianism with Jeanster, circa 1998. <laughs> Is there some modern day Robert Burns? I imagine a bit of slap and tickle love like a red, red rose pressed against pulled shutters, black hair and strong china swooning his way to the bedroom all Ayrshire charm and... Syphilis. <laughs> you jovial boys who love the joys, the blissful joys of lovers, yet dare avow with dauntless brow when thy bonny last discovers, and pray draw near and lend an ear and welcome in a praetor. For lately I've been quarantined, a proven fornicator. I imagine the panics in thy breasty, the other women, the illegitimate children fathered by him. I wonder what the CSA would have made of Rabi had he worked cash in hand, fitting carpets. <laughs> I can tell you think I jest. But I do not. You see, my friend has a secret. She said it was okay to share it. She said his hand tasted of tobacco as it tightly muffled her mouth. And my mother is strong. Stood in the doorway holding the dog we hid in the stairs as he battered the door down to kill her. And my sister is smart. She is full of poetry and classical art, and the more that she smouldered, the more that he tried to snuff her. We are Elizabeth Patton, Anne Park, Jean Armour, Agnes McElhose and Jenny Claw. We are every 10 minutes. We are 53,681. We are 1 in 5. We are 10,822. We are 1 in 3. We are the women you meet on Sodden Streets, your mothers and friends and their mothers too. We are your sisters and your comrades and sadly probably some of you. So without further ado, I'm going to ask you to raise all your glasses and pledge that from now on, in a modern Scotland, we will do more than just toast to the lassies. <laughs>
Thank you. The brilliant Victoria McNulty, and that was her toast to the lassie's response. So, yeah, I think that's enough. That's enough about Burns for now. Because, do you know what? We'll do a proper Burns episode again, but this isn't supposed to be a Burns episode. This episode is about people stealing your ideas. Have you ever had that? People stealing your ideas? When when was the last time someone stole my ideas? Well, I think probably the, the most recent one was Fatboy Slim Remix Greeter. When she said right here, right now, at that moment I knew that Fatboy Slim should remix it and do a right here, right now remix. And guess what happened? Fatboy Slim remixed it. Now, I don't know how he managed to steal my idea because I didn't even post it online. But I did write it down. Maybe, maybe him and Greta were checking the wheel bins to make sure that I was recycling correctly. And I am, I am, as far as I know recycling correctly but that's one that's the most recent example other times well the alternative burn supper that's been stole so many times and the funny thing about that is is that everyone uses the same the exact same image and that's Robbie Burns with a pair of sunglasses on but I actually stole that idea for someone else but everyone stole that idea after me since who else stole my idea well I think I invented a thing called the, you know, when I was about 19, I was working in an office and I used to go to this uh, canteen thing and that was when I discovered a BLT for the first time, the BLT, bacon, lettuce and tomato. And you know what I came up with? The blotch. The blotch. So that's a bacon, lettuce, onion, tomato, and the ch is for cheese, a blotch, a B-L-O-T-C-H. So I invented that, definitely invented that. And then, years later, and I remember saying it to the woman, I used to sort of jokingly call it a blotch. Well, I didn't jokingly, I was seriously calling it a blotch. But she was thought I was joking, but I wasn't joking. I was being serious, I want a blotch, please. And years later, I go to canteens and I see blotch. People are actually calling it a blotch. And then, in fact, actually, the High Street Sandwich Company, they've got a blat, which is a bacon, lettuce, avocado and tomato. If you're, if you're anywhere near High Street, go to the High Street Sandwich Company. Food is amazing. So I don't mind that they've kind of stole my ideas. They're welcome to it. They said it was a coincidence. I don't know. One more... I mean, there's lots of these. There's lots of these. We'll give you one more. Right? One more is um, overheard in the West End, right? So that that's now that's a, that was a song that became a a Facebook page that's got I don't know twenty six thousand people on it or something, and there's not really been much effort to push that page, especially maybe a bit more in the the last six or seven months, but for a couple of years it barely got used and it was sitting on about twenty four thousand. The only reason they started using it again is because people kept on trying to buy it, and that's when it made me go oh, maybe there's something to this. I don't actually know how you'd actually make money off it, but I know that. It's there. I'm not, I'm not selling it. I'm keeping it. But there was someone else who stole the idea and made an overhead in Waitrose. 
page, and they actually did. They, they took the idea, but the good thing about overheard in Waitrose is it could be used anywhere in in the UK. So they got that. They did that well because the West End's posh in Glasgow, but the West End isn't posh in other cities, so it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't travel that well. Like when we go to Manchester, we need to change the song to Overheard in Northern Quarter. So Overheard and Waitrose, they just went with it and they, they just worked away at it constantly, creating content. You know what I mean? And, and they're huge now. Absolutely huge. Good on them. No grudges here. Good on them. So anyway, as you know, this is just off the top of my head. There's lots more examples of people stealing my ideas, or at least me perceiving that people have stolen my ideas. So this next bit is real interesting. I want you to approach everything. I want you to approach life like this, and I want you to always approach the podcast like this, which is I want you to be open-minded, always be open-minded, but always be cynical. So open-minded but cynical for everything you hear on this show and everything you hear in life. I think that will stand you in good stead. Now, what's coming up here is mental. Because this just, just a couple of days ago, the Dundee Telegraph, I think it is, even Telegraph and Dundee, they did a story with a guy called Z, who's a rapper from Scotland, does a very good rapper, actually. He does, um, he's, a, he's a battle rapper. And he's also makes his own music with a dungeon. I mean, a lot of it is kind of horror course stuff, which lyrically is not really my thing. But there's no denying he's a, a very talented rhymer. His delivery's good, and he can do multi-syllabics very well. And he's a nice guy, and he's got skills, no doubt. He's been in New York battle rapping and stuff, puts the work in, and he's. So I've known Z for many, many years, and this is the first time I can confirm this is the first time that Z has ever claimed that Eminem stole his ideas. But that's exactly what he's claimed in the the, the Evening Telegraph this week. He's claiming that Eminem stole his ideas. And the reason he's saying that is because Eminem's new album, Music to be Murdered by, is named after Z's album, which was called Music to be Murdered by. Now, you know, it's an Alfred Hitchcock kind of sort of thing. So that, may, that might just be a coincidence. But what makes it really interesting is, is that it was released on the exact same day, five years later, that Z released his, his thing on, which is, which is really fucking weird. You know what I mean? The, the matter, regardless of what you think, it is really weird that that would happen exactly five years to the day. And what makes it a little bit juicier as well is that Z has worked on track, a track with Bizarre, who was... It was Eminem's band D12, you might remember. It's just a, it was just a wee story in the Dundee paper. And it has blown up massively. It's been on the NME. It's been in Lad Bible. It's been on, on all, all the major hip-hop websites. The engagement in all the, in all the posts has been ridiculous. Z is getting a backlash from Eminem fans, from people who don't like Scottish hip-hop, from people that... They hate Eminem or supporting them. It's really weird. And obviously he's an Eminem fan as well. Anyway, that's just the, the basic background. But have a look at this. Have a look online for this story. It is, it's huge. It's everywhere. And that's what I'm saying. He right now, he is one of the most famous people in the world right now. And we have an exclusive interview. He hasn't spoke to anyone else yet since this all went, went wild. So let's just get him on the phone. 
You call that radio, we like a phone call, and we have got a very special guest, it's Z Fidundi. And they had high hopes, but many were left with heartache. Yeah, he cool, Yeah, cool. I can hear you, mate. Brilliant. Right now, Z, you are probably one of the most famous people on the internet right now. Yeah, it's fucking wild, man. So I think we've got to, we've got to start at the start of what why are you on the NME? Why are you on Lad Bible? Where else are you? Where else are you on? I don't know, man. I'm seeing new new shit pop up every day. Yeah. Enemy, I seen that today and I thought, ah, shit. Like, this is probably the peak of it. Eh? I yeah. don't reckon it's going to get much bigger than that tomorrow, anyway. You know what I mean? So, well, the thing is, is that everyone that's sharing the story is getting so much engagement that everyone copies. See, one story sort of takes off. Everyone, yeah. like the Bible and all that, they start copying it. I've seen Yeah, yeah tell me about it. You know, like, one thing that's really pissing me off, right? The fact that because most of them are just copying off each other. They're all stealing news for other websites and, you know, rewording it as their own or whatever. Very few people are actually coming to me. And the one that started it, like one of the local papers to begin with, they've totally misquoted the shit out of me and put their own little spin on it, you know what I mean? So everything is just kind of going with that same narrative because the first one got it wrong, if you know what I mean. So the first one got it wrong. So let's go back to it. So what did they get wrong? What, What are you not happy with? Honestly, there's quotes all the way through it that's just stuff that I, I never even said. You know what I mean? Like, say maybe a guy was on the phone to me and like, I'll give him a brief rundown of what was going on and that, and he'll maybe take certain things that I'm saying but twist it a bit or take things out of context and make it seem like I'm I'm total bitching and moaning about, I don't know, saying the M&M's definitely stole my shit and all that. You know what I mean? I'd, to be honest, I didn't get stole my shit. I basically just presented... You don't believe that Eminem's yeah. actually stealing ideas from you, do you? Nah. I mean, come on, let's be real. Even with the, the whole... The thing the thing that adds legitimacy to this this whole claim, if you will, is the fact that both me and Brains, who's on that track as well, we both had our dealings with D12. And D12 yeah. is that connection to Eminem, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's that's what adds the, the whole legitimacy of any claims or whatever. But even right. with that... Yeah, you don't, I don't think, think, you don't think Bizarre's no. phoning up and uh, going, hey, Marshall, no. there's some... Yeah, check this out. You know what I mean? I mean, I'll be real, right? It's, stranger things have happened. You know what I mean? Like, it's, well, it's not entirely out of the realm of possibilities, right? Stranger things have happened. There is a, there's been a lot... I, I was reading a thread earlier on, and um, there's people that are actually just... People from across the pond saying that they believe, they believe your story because apparently... He's got he's got a track record for stealing off. I mean, I suppose think about it. If he was to just steal off at all the all loads of small underground rappers, then nobody would ever believe the small underground rappers. So maybe he has just been doing it all along. Exactly. Ever thought about exactly. that? I mean, I, I mean, didn't get me wrong. It's like it's not out of the realm of possibility, right? Stranger things have happened. You know, big stars have been known before to to steal from the little underground guys. You know what I mean? For, for exactly what you just said, but. At the same time, me personally, nah, I'm thinking maybe crazy coincidences and, and I'm seeing it as a great minds think alike kind of thing. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay. Like, I, I basically, you know, I took that sample from Alfred Hitchcock, an old vinyl from 1958. 
uh, called Music to be Murdered by. You know what I mean? Yeah. And basically that record is it's a bunch of creepy music from like his, you know, his film soundtracks and shit like that. And uh, it's it's got like uh, his vocals over the top of it. Like after that shot's kind of narrating throughout every now and then he'll come in and talk about some crazy shit like disposing of dead bodies and stuff and and obviously you know my, my style especially back then five years ago when that track came out i was pure horror chord out my nut you know what i mean so i found that and i thought oh this is this is cool this is going to be great for me to sample this shit you know what i mean and uh obviously eminem's just kind of found it five years later and done the same kind of thing and he's he's used the same the same vocal samples and that throughout, which is, you know, that's pretty strange itself considering there's, there's a lot of them on that record and he's, he's picked a lot of the same ones. But like you say, it's just, you know, great well, minds think alike. Well, obviously, yeah, you are, um, you know, Eminem's fairly horror core as well at times. So, I mean, it's, it's a probably natural, it is natural that he would eventually sort of stumble upon that idea. Speaking of horror core as well, what makes this even weirder is Necro says that he had an album oh, called Music man. to Murder Tell by as well. <laughs> this is a whole, it's like is a weird it, is, Or is this Necro stealing your idea? That, <laughs> that Eminem stole his idea? Could it be one of the ones? I, I'm, I'm going to say no, man. I don't think Necro's stealing ideas right now. I think, I think, again, it just comes to the whole the great minds think alike kind of thing. It's just, it's fucking crazy when you think about it all. Man. It's like... You know what I mean? Especially between Necro and Eminem, they're both making that at the same kind of time. And I've done this track five years ago, which is definitely not got that much exposure back when I put it out. You know what I mean? Like, nothing at all, really. It's like, I, I had maybe, I, I don't know, maybe 10 people buy that on Bandcamp or something, you know, and I put it for free download when I put it out, but it's the whole, like, you know, pay if you want kind of thing. You know, I had some people pay yeah. for it and that. And then... um and then all this time later, it's getting it's getting crazy views and comments now. If you see on YouTube and shit, man, it's uh, I uploaded that track you get, to YouTube. Sorry. So did you start noticing a bump in your views before you oh, went man. to the papers? Big time, right? This so I uploaded that track to Bandcamp and SoundCloud January seventeenth, two thousand fifteen. Right? You can go on the websites and you can see that upload date. You can't change that shit, okay? Yeah. And this is another weird fucking coincidence. Eminem's Music to be Murdered by album came out on January 17th, 2020. The exact fucking day. That's like a one in 365 chance alone right there for that. So that's it. So I mean, the rest of it, you can totally write off as a coincidence. Horrorcore rapper uses, you know, Alfred Hitchcock Hitchcock. samples. Yeah, yeah. But then when you add in the, the thing, I mean, what, what would that even mean? I mean... So well, let's just let's just pretend it's true for a second. So Eminem's went, you know what? I like Z's concept. I stole his concept. I don't want to pay him for the concept, but I'm going to give him a wee tip of the hat and release it on the same day five years later than him. Is that what could be going well, on there? You know, I, I kind of I thought that kind of thing as well, right? I was thinking two things there. I was thinking, right, if somebody was going to steal some shit from you they're definitely not going to wait and put it out on the same fucking date that you put it out. You know what I mean? That would just be fucking stupid. Well, obviously, but, they, they, could, they couldn't do that because they wouldn't be able to steal it from you and release it on the same day as you because then it'd be a draw. Aye. But it's like you say there, it could be a tip of the hat kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you never know, man. I'm just... Like, the boy, the boy Z, I've stole his ideas, but I'd, I'd, I'm definitely not paying them or giving him any credit for it. But I'll give a wee tip of the hat so that he can go to the papers and maybe get himself some exposure that way. 
Maybe, man. Maybe. As a result, as a result, you're technically promoting Eminem's album. I mean, how do we know that Eminem's and Bizarre haven't paid you to do this shit to help promote his album? I fucking wish, man. Tell me that. Well, you would say that, though. You would say that if you were involved. I guess, I guess so. Maybe I would, but also I, I wouldn't still be staying in Dundee. You know what I mean? Oh, well, you, I, maybe you don't get paid until you hit so many views. I don't know how it works, mate. I don't know how it works. Oh, maybe, so, um, maybe you got me. So your 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 views have went right up since it was released. And yeah, right. So you can see the like I was saying, you can see the date the track was put out on SoundCloud and Bandcamp, right? And it had never been on YouTube by itself. It was there as part of the whole... I put the whole album up on one track on YouTube back when I put it out five years ago. But I'd never put the song up by itself. So the day before I knew it was coming out in the papers, I kind of had the, the foresight to, to think, like, ah, I'll maybe upload it just so people can find it easier. You know what I mean? Just yeah. in case it, it might blow up or something. So yeah. I uploaded it the day before and uh, put a little explanation of the whole thing in the description and that. And, and yeah, that's sitting like... Five six thousand views just now from the last two days, which is pretty decent. There's a lot of debate in the comments. Um, the comments on YouTube are actually really, really, really respectful compared to some of the social media comments. Anyway, put it that way. Um, <laughs> they're actually saying, you know, loads of people are saying like, "Oh, I love this man." Loads of people are loving it, bumping it. Um, I've been getting paid off Bandcamp. People have been buying it on there and stuff. It's it's pretty decent, man. A couple of my other battles and that, like. Um, Battle from New York in July against Toko Boy, the African. Um, a couple of the papers published that in their online articles, along with Netflix and Kill, the, the tune that me and the Dungeon put out a couple months ago. Um, and they've been getting my views as well. You know, a good few thousand in a couple of days. It's pretty decent, man. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, that's right. You, you, how, how was New York? Because you, you, you did well. Went to New York. Yeah. And- Cheers, man. I... Uh, so yeah, that battle I'm talking about there, that was July uh, for iBattle TV. That was banging. It was great. It was welcomed, warm reception. You know, the they're not used to the Scottish pattern, man. So the they they loved it. You know what I mean? They they've never heard anything like it. You know, they're like, whoa, this this Scottish guy's funny as fuck, and he's got bars. You know what I mean? They're, they're loving it, man. So I got invited back uh, in November, and I went again, and. Uh, Battled a guy called Ellie from Canada. Um, that video still come out. Should be out soon, I hope. They usually come out within a couple of months, you know, so keep an eye out for that one. Um, so but they do, they do this weird thing over there, though, I've noticed. My last three battles, right, including those two, have been unjudged. It just seems to be a thing. Even my Don't Flop battle in September is unjudged. I, I don't know what they're doing now. They just seem to think it's maybe hotter for debates in the comments and shit if they don't judge on the day. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm cool with that. Like whatever, you know. Especially if you know people on the day usually tell me, you know, like yeah, you smoked. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. So um, so you're saying that the YouTube uh, comments have been quite positive, but social media in general has been a bit mixed, <laughs> shall we say? Yeah, well, people keep you know what I mean. People keep uh, tagging me in comments and shit. What are the Eminem fans saying? I, I don't even know, man. I'm not, I'll be honest. I'm not paying attention. I'm not like I'm. I'm not really looking at them. I've had a brief scan, you know, when it first came out and that, and and I've just came to the conclusion that there's a lot of fucking idiots. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of people that just 
the Twitter generation, man, they have no attention span. They're not even reading the fucking article. You know what I mean? They're just reading the headline, jumping on the comments and saying like, oh, what a fucking idiot. As if as if Eminem's going to steal the Darren from Dundee's music. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, fuck out of here, man. You're not even reading the article. Then the people who do read the article are like, oh, wait a second. Maybe he's got a point. And then other people are reading the article and saying, oh, wait a second. If you read it, he's actually saying he doesn't believe he stole shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, the, the annoying thing is a lot of the, the papers, the, the first ones especially, were, they like to go with a headline of, you know, Eminem stole my shit, you know? And then at the bottom of the article, near the end, it'll have, like, you know, maybe the only thing that's quoted right from me saying, like, I don't believe that it's stolen. I think it's all coincidences, but it's crazy. It would be good to get some sort of acknowledgement at least you know like maybe like, think, i have no doubt in my mind that eminem's heard it by now yeah you know what i mean i think it's got back to him 100 percent, man it was on fucking enemy today you know what i mean yeah well i mean he's eminem's i mean I'd, i would imagine he doesn't he doesn't read the enemy or anything he's he just he's probably sitting in these i mean you never know he might be right into this he might, he might be listening to this podcast <laughs> see eminem's listening to this podcast what 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 message do you have for him Three minds think alike. Uh, no hard feelings. You know what I mean? Just give me a shout, man. You know what I mean? Let me know what you think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so and there's no there's no beef there. There's no going to be a, a no diss beef, track. There's, there's not going to be an Eminem diss track, right? Everybody's trying to tell me like, oh, do an Eminem diss track, and I, my heart wouldn't be in it, man. Because as you know, as smart as that might be for a little extra five minutes of fame or whatever. I couldn't do that, man. Eminem's one of my heroes, man. Like, I listened to the guy since since I was about eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so nah, I, I couldn't do that, man. I'm not. I'm not doing that diss track. If I'm doing any kind of diss track, it will be these little rats in the media and little rats in the comments that just keep talking absolute <laughs> shit. Okay? That's what I'll be doing. Cool. Well, well, before it, before you go, can I play you? I've got two. There's been two times where I think Eminem ripped me off. I would like you to. I'd like you to give your ratings out of ten. What, what you think the likelihood is of of me being bumped or not? Right, two seconds. Let's see if this works. Okay, here we go. Okay, so that was yeah. um, from Time Machine Prescription, and this. Okay, here we go. Okay. Aye. Yeah? You never, you never fucking know, man. Maybe he just maybe he just secretly loves the Scottish music scene, you know what I mean? He's just he's, he's, going, all it. he's sending spies into the Scottish music scene. So out of ten, would you think that one? Out of ten. Out of ten, what? The chances that the he chance makes it? Him bumped that. Everyone bumped oh, time machine like. I, I don't know, man. It's six, seven. <laughs> there you go. Right, okay. Six or seven, six and a half, we'll say okay. Now this one. Okay, here we go, here we go. Right, here we go. Okay. That was overheard in the West End. Okay, here we go. Yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing it, man, but, you know, 
when it comes to guitars and shit, especially, there's only so many fucking melodies you can play. You know what I mean? Right, well, but, I don't know. I don't know. I think I... Cinderella Man was more convinced than him. Oh, no. I, I think this one's even more, man. I was keeping the best to last. Wait, one more time. Okay. Okay. So, so listen to the melody. Listen to the melody of Overheard in the West End, right? Listen. Okay. In the West End. Okay. And then. Da, da, da. Da, da, the West End. <laughs> Overheard in the West End. You never know, man. Did you go to the papers for that one? What? Did you go to the papers for that one? I didn't, man. I wish I did now. I wish I did, man. Think of that publicity. Think of that publicity. Um, no, I, I, to be honest, back in those days, I, I wouldn't be able to handle the publicity you're getting, man. I, I would have been reading all the comments and I'd be taking it all seriously. Nah, so, just ignore it, man, because I know you see all these, these I, games and stuff. Like, I know every single one of them. None of these comments said to my face, man. They get bad. You know what I mean? It's, people just love hiding behind computer screens and shit. Okay, cool. Well, thank you very much for doing that. Was, um, what, I take it, I mean, is this just a wind-up to get PR? Is it just a wind-up? Well, what I mean by that question is, do you have an album coming out? I do. All but right, that's, that's a nice coincidence, isn't it? It's already, it is a nice coincidence, man. I said that myself on social media, but for real, it is a coincidence, man. I was already working on the shit, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. uh, it's just being kind of, more effort is being put into it now because it yeah. was on the back burner for a while, you know what I mean? So now I'm kind of trying to, Fast track this shit. I've got my uh, my dude Jamie White who did the video for Netflix and Kill. Really talented videographer. Um, mm-hmm. Got him coming around tomorrow. We're gonna do some new shit regarding this whole situation, and uh, that'll be out maybe tomorrow night, maybe Monday. You know, so keep an eye out for that. And then in the following weeks, I've got Gravehearted. This release, solo release, a couple of features on that. We got the uh, Bars Fury. Uh, nameless and gimmick, some dungeon dudes, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that'll be out in the coming weeks. Bizarre. So. Any, any oh. saying it bizarre? What bizarre in this one? Yeah, it's bizarre coming in back. Ah, bizarre, bizarre's MIA, bizarre's uh, hiding. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, man, mate. I hope the, hope the album goes well. And cheers for talking to us. Right. Cheers, Mark. Listen to your demo tape and act like I don't like it. Six months later, you hear your lyrics on my You call that radio. You call that radio. Articulate and, and describe a hip hop artist from Glasgow, and, and, and it just hit me, it just hit me like a boat from the blue. Scotland's answer to Eminem, it was brilliant, and they nailed it. Scotland's answer to Eminem. So what do you think? Did Eminem steal his idea? Or maybe a better question would be, has anyone ever stole your ideas? Well, we asked the people, 
and Mark's podcast group, which you can join on the Facebook. We asked everyone, has anyone ever stole your ideas? Lots of people have got back within minutes. <coughs> this is now Monday, by the way. I've, I got distracted last night trying to finish this podcast and ended up watching the Royal Rumble or the Battle Royal bit of it. And Drew McIntyre, a Scottish guy, won the Royal Rumble and is going to WrestleMania. So congratulations, Drew. So ask, does anyone still ever stole your ideas? Stephen Watts says, I've had a couple, but I reckon it would sound better to share them. Mate, join the club. None around would be better every so often. Boy, it says, PS, my work is quite bad for. Inverted commas. Coming up with ideas. And then... You know, ideas that he proposed a few years ago. And, you know, that's, that seems to be quite common at work where people kind of poo-poo your ideas and go, oh, no, that wouldn't work. That's a rubbish idea. And then someone else comes up with the same idea and everyone loves it. Bastards, eh? So, uh, Lorna says, I have, but I've signed a legal non-disclosure agreement, so I can't elaborate. Oh, that's a bit of shit. I've actually signed a non-disclosure agreement before as well. But I think if we hit 100 Patreons, then I'll, then I'll just tell you anyway. Vaughn says lost count, but the one that won't get me stuck in for moaning about it. And was a coincidence rather than stealing directly. Was when she was wee, her mum used to get her to make cups of tea. And she genuinely came up with the idea of strings on tea bags years before they became a, an actual thing. Raging, she was proper raging. You know, no wonder, no wonder. I was raging as well. I had a similar story with tea bags. I, I kind of invented the pyramid tea bag, and it was remember Tetley brought the circle tea bags. If you're old enough to remember that, but Tetley brought out circle tea bags with I think what was the song? Round, round, get around, I get around, or something like that. And um, I knew straight away that. Since that was a success, they should just make a new shape. They needed to come up with a new shape. And they did. Brooke Bond, I think it was. Brooke Bond, they changed the game. And brought the pyramid tea bag and never even gave me a thank you. I didn't actually come up with the pyramid tea bag, but I knew that it was another shape in there, out there. And I think that they just gave up after that. I can't, I think I was kind of imagining more of a hexagon shape or something like that. But it seems like you can only get square, circle, and a, there was a very brief pyramid time. But, yeah, there you go. I always thought the kind of pyramid tea bags, you know, they say they get more taste. and I, th I think it's just like a bump in it, like the, you know, Nike air pumps. So, you know, you if you, <laughs> you press the button, it made you jump higher or something. Surely, that, I mean, obviously, that's just a bump in it. Nike air bumps. Jay Coleman says, I invented the McFlurry. I had the genius idea of crushing Maltesers over ice cream for my mall when I was a wee guy. And then mysteriously, a few months after I started doing it, McDonald's suddenly came out with a McFlurry. That's absolutely shocking, Jay. And I'm very glad you named and shamed the bastards because everyone else has been... has been shitting it. It's really weird, Dan. It's like... Because there's lots of people commenting here... And there's been lots of people that have stole my ideas, but yet we're all scared to name and shame the people that, that copied their ideas. 
why is that? We're the victim. Someone stole our ideas. Yet we don't, we don't want to cause any bother or get, you know, get that the person that stole the idea into trouble. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird that Chase says plenty. He calls it the cunts falsely prosper theory. <laughs> David Robinson says, "I invented the offbeat chord strum." The Arctic Monkeys stole it, and now every cunt is doing it. And he's went on. He always gets pulled up for doing that Arctic Monkeys thing or block party thing. And it was mine. He invented it. Get them sued, David. Get them sued. Bram says, long story short, The Hunger Games. I asked him to unshorten the story and elaborate a little bit more. And he says that he wrote a thing that was pretty similar and came very close to selling it about 2005 my own stupid fault the only thing wrong with mine was that it was shite but that never stopped the fucking Hunger Games no I've never seen Battle Royale or read the manga ahem yeah that was unfortunate Bram I'm sure I'm sure it wasn't shite Bram, Bram's a great writer check out Bram's stuff Texture texture.bandcamp.com fantastic writer uh, Melissa Mischief says I invented opera rap opera up at a party with my pal, and then R. Kelly stole it and made a TV show. He wasn't even near me and still violated me. <sighs> yeah, right, okay, so Melissa, opera rap. See, I didn't even know that was a thing, opera rap, but I remember, I do remember the R. Kelly TV show, like, hiding in, when he was like, is that the one where there was a, a midget in the cupboard or something? I seen clips of that, it was mental. I invented hip opera, opera rap. I can't seem to say it right, opera rap. But I invented hip hop rap when I was at school. One of my early um, rap rap songs when I was at school. We got school. I kind of ripped off the, the Eminem, you know, I created a monster, that bit. And I I created the genre and called it hip hop rap. Ray, Raymond Dito says, Hi, Raymond. He said, I invented the beefy bake. <laughs> That's a, a still game reference. I think still game weren't allowed to use the steak bake. I don't know why that was. I don't know if it was Greg's didn't give them permission or maybe it was because Greg's didn't give them the the money they wanted to to promote. Why should they promote Greg's if Greg's aren't paying them? Or maybe a BBC thing like laws and not advertising things. Although it's not a very strict law because BBC advertises lots of things. Like the Tories. Uh, Mark McCowan says, interesting that no one really wants to shout about it, or perhaps more pertinently that they don't really do or think that they shouldn't or can't. I've tapped into common themes at the same time as other artists, not been credited for work, and had pals steal ideas, hooks for songs, because I've told them about it when they were wasted. In all probability, they probably think they came up with it themselves. Nothing I've ever cared about to start a fight about. Ideas are free, they float. Very true, Mark, very true. Anthony Paul says, the hook from Mickey Nine's most popular single was bumped from a Jackal Trade song, and we're pleased to know that we're bumped more, some more of your stuff for the upcoming album. I'm happy for the Mickey Nines to steal anything that I do, because you're more likely to make money from music than I ever will. So use, if you make it, make all the big bucks, put all the hard work in, and then, then we'll get the lawyers involved. But you have my blessings to, to rip me off in the meantime. Becky Wallace says, someone else started a hashtag more life after me and it's pure no funny. So yeah, Becky's been doing more life hashtag for ages since, I think since she, she had her first win. And it seems like someone's 
stole the idea and has made a page with, with t-shirts and stuff. That's a shame. Did you know, actually, had, um, somebody was was walking, years ago, there was, was people selling at festivals like hoodies that said, Jeremy Kell fucked my wife on them, with Jeremy Kell's face on them. That was, a, that, was a, that was one of our old songs. And we definitely came up with that phrase, Jeremy Kell fucked my wife. And the guy just made a fortune selling t-shirts and hoodies, you know, Teen the Park, all the all the, the major festivals up and down the country, for, you know, Glastonbury, Boomtown and all that. And I kept on seeing people wearing them and going, where did you get that thing? They would just say, a, a stall, a festival. And one day, um, my mate, the polar bear, finally tracked these guys down and they just put it down to being a coat. <laughs> he said, he says, my mate's look good for you because he thinks you stole your idea. He he's pretty sure you stole his idea. And the guy said, no, nah, it's just a coincidence. I didn't steal the idea. But he also gave the polar bear hunters a free clothes to shut him up and get him to leave. So, yeah, I, I still didn't, I didn't get anything. I never got any of it. I think someone gave me a, a hoodie, but then someone, someone took it back off me. So, yeah, I, I, I feel your pain, Becky, with the, with people stealing your t-shirts. David Robinson said, I had an idea that I'd do an internet poll on stolen ideas and then some cunt stole my idea. Sorry about that. Pixie says, lost my pals at a festival in London once. However, inspired the idea for an app that uploaded festival maps and your pals could sign a nap as a group when you needed to find someone where they were at the festival. Then a few weeks later, Snapchat brought out their Snapchat map, which is the same concept, but on a much bigger scale. That's a shame. I mean, it, you know, that was a great idea. It was a great idea. It still is. Peter Rankin. Now, Peter, Peter um, runs a really good po podcast or radio show, internet radio show that's turned into a podcast uh, called Old Jock Radio. So check them out. He says, Old Jock Radio had a Star Trek show, took place on the Starship Enterprise, sound effects, narrative, and various comedy ideas. Three weeks later, talk radio overnight show replaces 70% of our show. Old Jock Radio had the Scratch Card Challenge. That was, I remember the Scratch Card Challenge. And Chris Moyle stole it. The idea of the concept of the Scratch Card Challenge. Uh, Old Jock Radio also had a running joke of playing Benny Hill theme every time the words Nick Clegg were said. I remember that as well. And a few months later, the Now Show on Radio 4 played the Benny Hill theme every time the words Nick Clegg were mentioned. That, that, that's mental, man. And another one, another Radio 4 sketch show lifts a sketch on World Championship shouting almost word for word, literally word for word, and broadcasts it as their own. I was stunned when I just happened to hear it on the radio one day. There's more, but you get the idea. Pete, I'd be out. I'd, I hope you've been tweeting your disgust or getting, getting some lawyers involved or getting the papers involved, man. That's just people blatantly stealing for you, man. Shocking. You know, they say imitation's the best form of flattery. I don't know if I agree with that. There's quite a lot here. Lorraine says, I wrote a children's short book when I was about 12, 13. My dad drew all the pictures for me. He was really talented that way. He gave it to my English teacher for her opinion and extra brownie points. Never seen my version again and somehow my English teacher got her stories published in a local book. They were ex very much the same stories. It was a few years later I discovered that totally pissed off, even worse, same teacher used to tell me I was rubbish at this subject. Ah, that is mental. Oh, name and shame, Lorraine. Name and shame. So we can avoid that, inverted commas, author. Uh, Soapy says, I once came up with a concept called Think Staff for a workplace and presented it to the board. 
A year later, they had the whole army of think staff people in place travelling round the UK. But like the Murphys, obviously means he's not bitter. Tony Grant says, I'm Spartacus. And, and Paul says, Sapien says, the better question is, are the ideas really ours at all? Are they really our ideas at all? And that's a very good point. I will end it on that, because maybe nobody owns the ideas. Yeah, they're just floating a bit in some kind of... I don't know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You know, it's like, if you're a writer and you write, you write, you have an inspired moment and you write something, where did that come from? Did that come from your brain? It feels like it comes from somewhere out with your brain, like it's, you've somehow channeled uh, the genius. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I think it's it's about time to go to the Beer Jacket, which is the main event. And thanks everyone for contacting us. If you want to contact the podcast, you can email you call that radio at gmail.com or you can phone up on 07340508500. Get us on Facebook, get us on Twitter at you call that rad one, get us on Instagram at mark.all.trades. So, yeah, get, I think we're on the Reddit now as well. So yeah, we're on Embite, which is a new new thing that started. I think it's it's like Vine. It's just restarted. So yeah, you can find us on that. Uh, do keep in touch with us. Do keep in touch. I think it's just about time. I know this is getting quite long. This episode now. It's uh, it's just that. Remember, I, I said yesterday I asked for alternative burn supper poems. Well, I've got one. Another one. Cat Hepburn sent in, and she's a, she's a really good poet. She she runs says, Sonic Youth with Kevin Goldie. You know, I haven't really explained Robbie Burns yet. So and also someone else, someone else commented saying that it was who was that again? Yon Sneezy. Yon Sneezy commented to say you stole your ideas from Robbie Burns with that Robbie Burns and Benefit Street thing, and that kind of makes me think that maybe. Eminem stole his ideas from Robbie Burns because Scotland invented flighting, which was battle rap about 100, 200 years before battle rap was battle rap. So Eminem stole Robbie Burns' ideas. We're in Shireen Nanjiani show um, with BBC Scotland. He's actually tagged me in it. So do you know what? We'll, it's, this is the last thing we're going to do with Robbie Burns, right? Or this is the last thing we're doing. But we're going to play... Just a very quick clip from Shireen Nanjiani's show talking about Rabbi Burns and Benefit Street and then a very short poem from Cat Hepburn and then we're going to Beer Jacket, the interview with Beer Jacket. You cool with that? You cool with that? Nice one. The, the updating of the legend is a really important thing. I think what you say about questioning aspects of the myth and things is exactly why it's interesting. And um, the idea of this sort of autodidact working class man is such an important trope in, in Scottish culture as well. And I just wanted to recommend for people who maybe don't necessarily like the actual Robbie Burns poetry that there are some interesting updates. And one is um, a track. It's a kind of spoken word rap piece by... 
a Scottish um, rapper, poet called Mark. It's called Rabbi Burns Benefits, and it updates the idea of Rabbi Burns and how we would take him if he came along today. It's on Spotify. It's called Rabbi Burns Benefits. If you're interested, I really recommend it. It's a brilliant piece of writing, and it just gives you that sense of how we relate to our class and artists now, as as opposed to just the romanticization of of Burns as it was. So you know, there are always ways of bringing us into the the, the modern day. So if you do like that writing, if you like that writing, then I can write you a poem if you commission me. So I don't think the website's working now. So just email you call that radio at gmail.com or messages on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And I can write you a poem, whether it's for a loved one's Christmas, birthday, anniversary, wedding, just for the crack. Or you do realise that it's Valentine's Day soon. So maybe you should think very carefully about getting a poem done, we'll get it framed, we'll make it funny, we'll make it soppy, however you like it, and, yeah, so, that's, that could be a thing, now, after this, after this, there's no more Rabbi Burns chat after this, I'm going to listen to a very talented poet called Kat Hepburn from Sonic Youth, she, I've not heard this yet, but it will be good, because she's always good, it's a toast, her, it was inspired by the Toast of the Lassies, so this is her version, modern, up-to-date version of it, so I hope you enjoy that, and then when we come back, it's beer jacket time, no more Rabbi Burns time, no more people stealing your ideas time, just pure beer jacket. To the Lassies, who are growing up in a world where feminism is a dirty word bound by heteronormative ideology, live and act a certain way. It's part of your biology. Advertisers will prey on your every insecurity. After all, there's endless opportunity for them to capitalise on your low self-worth. Your value will come from how good a selfie you can take of your bum and how much you can suck in your tum for a photo uploaded to your Instagram. To the lassies. Look up to people who are famous for being famous. Lips injected with filler, silicone breasts and pert bouncing asses. You better pluck and shave and die and starve yourself as much as you can in your endless search to find a man. Otherwise, I'd be surprised if Prince Charming gives you a second glance. It's better to romanticise than to criticise while you wait to be saved. And remember that if you ever get raped, if you happen to be drunk or wearing a short skirt, then it's you who'll get the blame. And if you dare express a like for sex, then you best expect to get belittled and shamed and catcalled and trolled, called a slut, a slag, a tramp, a whore. To the lassies, please don't forget that the most important part of your body is your mind. Besides being hot, you can be strong and brave and intelligent and kind. Let's stop putting our weans in boxes, pink or blue, Barbies or chucks. Instead, let's teach them equal respect and love and trust. Show our boys they can be caring and our girls can be tough. There's binary codes which we could reject. All they do is limit, restrict and oppress. Don't let anyone dictate how you behave, think or dress. Let's look beyond the vacuous trash of tabloid mags. Forget girls are too soft and lads will be lads. Be the best human you can possibly be and stick two fingers up to the patriarchy.
And thank you, Cat Hepburn. It's actually Tuesday. I didn't finish the podcast last night, like a many. So another day's passed. So, and you wouldn't believe this. So, you know, we're talking about the loose theme of rabbit bones and people stealing your ideas. And then I just got a tweet from Robot Bones. Now, we did the Robot Burn Supper in 2018, and the whole thing was about how the algorithm had taken over and was booking all these acts, and uh, AI had basically taken over the whole thing. And I'm pretty sure I, I googled that, and there was no such thing as Robot Burns. But Robot Burns now exists on Twitter and tweeted back, I was looking for alternative Burns poems. I haven't, I haven't had time to look into who Robot Burns is. I've no idea if they stole my idea, or it's just a coincidence. It may just be a coincidence. But it seems like quite a cool concept. I think they've got some AI thing that's, that looks over all Rabbi Burns' poems and delves through it and randomly makes its own poems. So I'll read you one of them, and then we'll move on. The dead lay bare their secrets, the living pour their sands, the waters around them make them merry. They mingle in mirth together. Their upsprings patriotism to help them in their trouble. So that's um, Robot Burns, which I believe I've no idea if we inspired this by doing the Robot Burns Supper and all those daft videos, or it's a complete coincidence. But I think I'm going to say what Paul said earlier on, and that is, is that do any of his own ideas, are they owned, or do they exist in a realm that we can't fully comprehend yet. So let's leave it at that. Another bit of news that's happened since it's now Tuesday is the Beer Jacket gig has sold out. So you're going to hear us promoting the Beer Jacket gig during this interview. So if you want a ticket, you can't buy a ticket because it's sold out. However, we do have the last two tickets in the world, in the universe, for Beer Jacket and his orchestra at the CCA. And the only way you can possibly go is if you enter the raffle now everybody who supports this show gets entered into a raffle we try and do a couple a month with some amazing prizes the the raffle is coming up this one we've got, we've got some tickets scotland vouchers we have a custom ink 280 pounds custom ink tattoo voucher we also have tickets to darren connell's new show chuckle town which will premiere at the Glasgow Comedy Festival on the 13th of March. And of course, the Beer Jacket tickets and much more. If you want to support this show and you want to be entered into the raffles and get some bonus perks, then just go to patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. So that's patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. And you can join the Mince and Tatties crew for a couple of quid a month. And there's other tiers if you, you can afford more. If you can't afford to support the show, then don't worry. You can support us by telling a friend that we exist, sharing a link or leaving us a rating or subscribing or generally just interacting with our Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. And um, just everybody who listens, thank you very much. It does mean the world. And we're working on lots and lots and lots of stuff this year. So thank you for your support and I hope you enjoy what's to come. But now, 
it's an absolute pleasure to introduce the main event, one of Scotland's greatest singer-songwriters, it's Beer Jacket. have been good friends to me the smartest artists welcome misery every failure is a raging success creative abscess a sorrowful conquest every wounded heart is a work of art to hang in the sentimental gallery I cut my teeth articulating grief I'll run out of it one we are live or it's not live if you're listening at astronomic studio and i'd love to welcome to the the show beer jacket hello thank you for doing this man been a fan of yours for years i'm a fan of the podcast you, you know you're actually probably the first person that's been a fan of the podcast that's been on the podcast i don't think anyone else has listened to the podcast before they, they turned up Oh well, no, so, I listen to it all the time. All right, well that's yeah. good. That's good. I'm glad I didn't put you off. <laughs> and we're, we're trying to get you about a week ago because we're trying to get this out in time for your your big show, so which I hope we'll be able to do, which is January the thirty first. And the reason it is such a big show is because you're going to play Celtic Connections with an orchestra. So I think we should start there. Ah, uh, I don't even know where to start. I mean, genuinely, it's something that I've 
I've always loved the idea of, and I've I've never I've never actually seen one of these kinds of concerts, even like kind of being in the rooms new. So I don't know what this will be like when it's surrounding me. I've only ever seen them like online or I've heard recordings. The idea of sitting in the middle of people playing my music arranged for strings is, I, I can't even, I'm not even in that position of knowing yet because we're not going to hear exactly what this is going to sound like until very, very soon before the, the concert. Yeah, the sound check. Pretty much. And even the sound check's not a, you're, you can't really hear on stage what, what it's going to sound like outside. Are you, getting it, are you getting it recorded? Oh yeah, yeah. Aye, we, we were that organised. That just in case this is an absolute one-off, but it usually is exciting. these things, isn't it? Unless you end up you set it off and you start touring with an orchestra. Well, I've I've started getting well ahead of myself thinking about what I'd do next with them, and I was chatting with Anne Marie that's doing the arrangements, and said, you know, if if this goes as well as I think it's going to go, I could see me wanting to do this on the next record because I've got all of the record written. It's been written for a while. And the sort of icing on top as if I could have just the kind of texture and the swell of strings. Well, that's, and, that, that's just yeah. interesting because that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you. Because I remember your, you've been in your bands. I know you probably don't want to talk about your early bands before you, before you, <laughs> the, the, the times before Beer Jacket. We'll maybe come back to that. But you've obviously been a solo artist uh, with, with a, apart from the occasional collaboration it's been just you and an acoustic guitar foot tambourine in it and do you ever miss being the band dynamic and is that last night funnily enough because it was the first time I'd been in a proper studio to practice for about five years because we did a 10th anniversary concert and for that I kind of I was quite kind of bashful about it when when we Went to the rehearsal room. I didn't even use the mics. I just thought, right, I'll invite people in because I was having guests. So Rachel Sermani, um, Ross Leighton from Fatherson, Michael Cassidy. There were a number of people all joined us. An all-star cast. Ah, it, was, it was a great night. Um, but even then, I was, I was genuinely quite... It's quite nervous about even switching the PA on because I usually rehearse at home. So yeah. even that was kind of a bit strange. I was a bit nervous going to the the rehearsal last night and it was just Julia and I in a room but because there was a PA to set up all these kind of things I've been playing music now for such a long time that it's ridiculous to feel nervous about going to a rehearsal studio and feeling like a fraud <laughs> but it's simply because I don't usually even use any amplification I don't use any PA or anything like that when I'm when I'm rehearsing that I very seldom even feel like I don't, I don't really feel like I'm practising, although I'm thinking about music all the time. I'm always writing in my head. I've always got things going on that tell me that I'm a musician, but I've got this, it must be an imposter syndrome. I just feel like yeah. not a not a real musician yeah, quite a lot I of think the time. Everyone gets, I, don't think, but I don't think you should have it. And I would imagine that most singer-songwriters aren't paying for studio time no, <laughs> to plug in a PA. Because that is the beauty of being a, an acoustic act, is you can just, just play it in your house. You can probably play it while the kids are sleeping. Yeah. And nobody, nobody even hears. You can just play it quieter. Take it anywhere, sort of music. But I'm, you, you can go quite loud, though. You don't even need a PA. If you're, if you're playing in front of a, you know, a kind of smaller crowd, you can just rattle it without a, a PA. I like doing that. I like doing that because I think that's where that kind of... I think that's where the kind of eye-to-eye sort of mm. aspect to the, if, the kind of music that I do probably works best where, you know, you really do strip everything away and 
I liked going into the crowd and things like that. Obviously, I can't invite a string quartet into the crowd with me because they may struggle with yeah. like cello or whatever. But um, I quite like the idea that, you know, it's, even though it will be through PA and everything, that it's going to get me a wee bit. I want to feel a wee bit like I'm coming eye to eye with it because yeah. I'm not used to that. I'm not used to the fact that it's going to be, you know, other musicians around me and playing you know, accenting things that are in the songs already, but, you know, sort of bringing them out with these other textures that I can't create on my own, I think that'll get to me. And Julia Duggan's been teasing me since this was sort of put in place, saying that I'm going to cry, and I might. <laughs> and if I cry, I'll try and make it as tuneful, tearful <laughs> behaviour as I can. I, could, oh, I think I would, I would help. The, I think it would help the music. Just cry if you want. I'll, I'll, it's my party. I'll is cry it, if I want to. Yes. <laughs> no, but it is. It's a big deal. The, the thing that the CCA is going to be cool. It's, that's a cool venue. And the I think it was the exact same string, string quartet i seen, just seen talking before, about yeah. Stanley Odd did it. At the old fruit market, we caught the last, the second half of it or the last few songs of it and wow that was incredible and it just looked like Dave Whitworth was having a lot of fun the whole band did so I think it'll be, like, it'll be one of those ones for the first song you'll be like whoa what's going on and then after it you're going to be like here this is great because you're, you're used to just playing with your solo and now to have that behind you it'd be amazing I think one of the things is that is good about it is that I've always heard these things in my head so even if there's only guitar and like my foot I mean my foot has been a kind of constant it's quite difficult to vary as well the sound of your foot you know what I mean <laughs> it's going to be a constant sort of for the most part like kind of four on the floor <laughs> bass drum that you're doing you know what else can you do uh, without tap dancing but you know the, the the sounds that I think are going to come out of this are very much like the kind of things that I'm used to hearing when I'm writing and a lot of the time that I'm I'm writing it's quite sort of unconscious I don't I don't write it like I don't think I write like a traditional singer songwriter a lot of the time. So are you imagining music in the background while you're writing? Yeah, and I think sometimes it's probably a wee bit of a surprise to me that other people don't hear it as well. Yeah, because <laughs> I can definitely music. hear it. You know. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I've always found that it's quite funny when I I was looking at my, my old mobile phone. I was going through my voice notes, and sometimes walking home from the pub, I've got I write these uh, epic, these orchestral epics where you hear. I hear yeah, this yeah. music and it sounds great to me. Just, I just can't capture it the next day. What I was trying to do, listen back to it, I was going, I had a point. But do you know, see talking to voice memos, I've got a, a, a you know how on, on your phone it just sort of registers where it was and that's a bit indistinct. But I woke up with a, a voice memo. I don't know what time I must have done this in the middle of the night, but the the name of it, I'd actually named it was a co chorus. It was just a chorus. Chorus, a good one you dreamt. So I don't even <laughs> remember writing it. I certainly don't remember even getting up during the night, but yeah. I had even had this sort of presence of mind to was it good? tell myself. I, I, I think it's, it's a good, good chorus. Yeah. I, I hope it's not better than the ones that I do when I'm awake. Yeah. No, I, I think, I mean, I think a lot, there's something about that. If you capture that, that's what I've been trying to do as well. It's not looking at my phone in the morning because yeah. there's that moment when you wake up as long as you're not you haven't slept in and you've not getting to do it, if you just wake up and just try and write a thing and sometimes it's absolutely it's nonsense practice if you can manage it yeah no I, I, I used to do it years ago and I, I miss it but it is obviously it is, some of it is complete nonsense but it's just like the waking it's just like the waking world you get you write eight shite ones to get one good one but, think, but it feels I, more I, mysterious because it came from the sleeping world the, I, the realm 
I think I think a lot about uh, dreams and, and and sleep and the fact that you spend so much of your life, you know, being asleep. It's got to have a purpose, you know. And I kind of feel like I'm 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 kind of sneaking a look at other things when I'm asleep. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's why I don't sleep very well because I'm always thinking, even when I'm asleep, I'm thinking about you know what has been happening during the night. I'm probably kind of programming what happens the night after that because I'm realizing that I'm so much sort of interested in what is happening when I'm asleep. I don't know if I'm ever really properly asleep. So I think even when you're coming up with something and you're sort of unconscious, you're not really... I don't think we're ever unconscious. No. I think we're always just looking behind the curtain when we're, we're asleep and we're and, dreaming. Uh, you're, you're sl- how is your sleep doing? Because I know that you've just quit the caffeine. No more co- uh, caffeine. The, no. the coffee probably didn't help my sleep. But I think, if anything, now maybe I'm a wee bit more terrified when I have a nightmare because it's just coming from me it's not coming from too many coffees too close to bed I don't yeah. eat a lot of cheese either no <laughs> so how you, you were on nine coffees a day well that was my no, that, was your, that was your that was your that was, that's the cry for help when you're <laughs> drinking nine coffees a day so you, you switched to decaf decaf all the way it just tastes the same so exactly a couple of grumpy days or just a couple yeah. of tired days I only the first day I had a yeah. sore head and then it was okay after that yeah I mean I think decaf's a good it just it, it tastes the same why not why not so, I, I don't like to be dependent on very much yeah no it's, it's a good way to be man and you know you. that's why you've not had any band members apart from your foot who's done a, who's done a great job so far sometimes it's got a difficult band member though my foot yes <laughs> and what was it what made you start what made you start but what was the band that made you start a band? I think I know the answer to this, but oh, Nirvana, yeah, Nirvana, hundred percent, yeah. And the thing is that I mean, even now, I, I still listen to Nirvana and I hear it differently. I still, I, I don't know why it is that there's certain bands or certain music or whatever that kind of has the keys to the kingdom. You know, that you kind of find the reason. You know, why play music or, or whatever. And I'm sure, it, of course, it's different for everybody. You know, there'll be people out there that like uh, music that you know I hate and vice versa and, uh, and that, that's the beauty of it yeah it just almost seems like it's just, it's, it's, I think it's a lot to do with just the timing when a, a band hits you as well doesn't yeah, it yeah. it just seems to be quite you know obviously you were the right age for Nirvana I was just yeah. a little bit young when you were getting into Nirvana you're just pointing out how old I am no 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 <laughs> we're, we're, we're both we're both young we're both doing well but I was just a little bit younger so it was like when the first time I remember you playing a, a gig and you were playing Nirvana tunes. Oh, I mean, I, I still would say, see, see, to be honest, I can barely play other people's songs. Yeah. But I could play anything you like by Nirvana. Um, and <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's probably because they had such an impression on me that... Is that, what, is that what made you pick up the guitar? So it was just basically that was the first tunes you learned kind of thing? Uh, absolutely. And now, I mean, the thing as well is that for all... I don't think my music sounds anything like the things that have inspired it it doesn't mean it's not coming from the same place. I think probably that I mean, there, there are sort of crossover, there's crossover between Nirvana and lots of hip-hop. There's crossover between Nirvana and I think a lot of acoustic music as well because, you know, the, not only the unplugged, but also just the idea of the honesty. So there's always, I think as, as long as music is honest, I think it's all the same, whatever genre you're listening to. And I think that's why I don't, Probably I'm not as embarrassed about my early tastes from the point of view that I was always drawn to that rather than a genre or rather than it being 
about you know being obsessive about a band. It was always about sort of what was behind music. I just like music that doesn't sound like it's hiding. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's always we've always you've always had quite good taste, though. You've got nothing really embarrassing. I remember running by the bands I was into, and you're like, no, nah, no way, that's shit. I feel I? really bad then. No, no, you're all right. It was <laughs> you were right. You were right. It was like I was. I had. Uh, I had like the the charts. I'd like the now. Now that's what I call. Do you know what I remember? I remember you like, talking about low fidelity Ulsters. Yeah, I'd low fidelity. I was stars. dead impressed. <laughs> you were very young. Yes, and, I was uh, very young. Big I on your big beat. I was. Well, I wasn't. I was. I didn't know what big beat was. I was just didn't. I was at that point in time. I was sort of. I mean, the charts weren't as bad as are these days. I know it's old man talk, but there was some good stuff in the charts. Oh, that kids went, these days. Yeah, I know, eh? They don't know. They don't know they're living. <laughs> um, but I was into a bit of the, the the chart music, but I was also just into, I was listening to Steve Lamarck, John Peel, I had my wee cassette recorder, I was recording stuff, and I was just going out and buying, you know, the, the, you used to get a single for 99 pence yeah, yeah, yeah. before it was released, or sometimes you just take, I would just take a punt on things, yeah. or every day NME. So I was always really open-minded to stuff, so, and I think it was like the hit mix long play was on the telly. So I was, I think I saw a gun at the beta band, they just came on the telly one mm-hmm. day and I was just like, so I was always quite open-minded to it, but obviously I had no context of what was actually cool. Yeah. Or what wasn't, I didn't know that yet, but you did, you knew what was cool. I just, I've been obsessed with music, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, Since I was really wee. I mean, I, I remember, I, I had my first record that I ever owned, I was two years old and it was an album as well, a vinyl <laughs> Prince Charming by Adam and the Ants. Oh, I mean, cool. that's, I know, that's, that's not cool. bad going. You know, Steve Mason's first, first uh, CD, I'm saying, should he said? I think, on, he, on did, did he not, I think he maybe gig? said Kings of the Wild Frontier. Or but he, I, I heard that one. He did yeah. say something about Adam and, I can't remember. Chimes with gig. me, because yeah. that's, I mean, I suppose it's again being drawn to something that's different. Yeah. You know, something that was a wee bit out of the ordinary. I think it also, I, I, I actually appealed to me as a kid as well, because it had that kind of, sort of larger-than-life character, ah, cartoon yeah. fi- feel to it. But then, obviously, when you look back on it, you're like, that was actually quite groundbreaking. Do you know, that, I mean, that's not a million miles off as well, thinking about how you would take a punt on things back when people were kind of buying records more kind of eh, faithfully and they wouldn't only buy something out of, I don't know, an obligation to an artist they already supported. Buying things based on even a cover. Yeah. Now, that, that, was, that was a thing that eh, definitely sort of guided me to certain music almost as if it was in secret code it was like because this looks mm-hmm. this way it's telling you that you're going to like it you know yeah. and that maybe not everybody would see it it's almost like I don't know without getting into Matrix chat it's almost like you've taken the blue pill and you can see so I've never seen it I've never seen <laughs> oh, the Matrix oh that's right I forgot I've, I've, no, as no, a fan of this as well I'm forgetting no, I've never you've seen never it. seen the Matrix no I've just never seen it like I've never seen it people like oh, you must have seen it I've it is good stopped. don't build it up uh, well you know, I've found it up <laughs> people have been hyping up for, for decades but the next two you can do without what's yeah, the first one yeah I've heard that the, the sequels are, are rubbish but um <laughs> Yeah, no, I've probably not got. I don't have time. I don't have time. I'm a, maybe one day, maybe one day. But but I like, I like the idea of the, the the covers because obviously in those. I mean, that's I, I made a lot of really good decisions just based on the cover. Like I said, if sometimes if things go into the bargain bin once they came out the charts and stuff as well, and sometimes you just go, I don't know where that is because yeah, we, yeah. we didn't have the internet. No risk. Just there was the, well, the internet did exist, but it didn't exist for us. And I don't know how some people had internet, but it wasn't the same internet. It wasn't like you could just play a song on YouTube, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so, I, but I remember just picking loads of good stuff and I'm still fans of today, 
I've probably forgotten all the rubbish ones. But yeah, the, 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 the artwork is a thing. But when you're a kid, you've got no... Well, I had no context of what art is, what's supposed to be supposedly good or what my tastes were. But now, even to this day, I, I would still like to think I can guess just by looking at something or even the name of a song as yeah, well. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, some, I mean, some songs are just are just a word, but it's just something about the names of things or the way it's set out that you'd like to think, I'm a good judge of character. Well, I'm a judge, a judge of me. Yeah, yeah. A, a good judge of what I like. So I think there is something to that. Do you know, you're actually, you're making me think of how maybe doing the book part has sort of opened me up to seeing that that audience still exists but I think there might be more the book people right so where when I was doing so uh, yeah give, give a bit of background in case people don't know what you're talking about well I, I had a bizarre idea um, all the best ideas they say are taken but I think this one's still relatively unmined and I don't know why that is um, but I, I, when Neil Wilson at Scottish Fiction said that he would like to do a record with me I said that I would like to do that and he said he would like to do something special with it and I understood that you know something special given that he'd, he'd been putting out vinyl probably meant that but um, I had another idea just to, to do a book I thought you know I, I already had these stories kind of kicking around for each of the songs and it felt like it wasn't an individual or a separate thing it was it was part of the same thing so I threw it out there and I asked him, would he put out a book? And um, he was like, yeah. And at that point I knew, as long as I wasn't on my own with this kind of idea, you know, which I knew I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to accomplish that by myself. And Neil's brilliant. I thought if anybody was going to be able to make it possible, it would be him. So that then led to, to cut a long story short, um, not only did the book come out um, as a, a hardback with the, the, the CD kind of packaged in the kind of traditional, you know, in at the back, but it was very much a part of the, the thing, all illustrated um, by me. You know, it didn't look like this when I was putting it together. Again, I'm sure I've, I've definitely spoken about this, but the Polly Pocket, this, is the, this was the inception of Silver Chords, the album and book was basically I had printed everything with my drawings um, and an A4 stapled uh, just like absolute chunk of A4 paper. It was the least attractive looking thing you'd ever want to buy and then just to add insult to injury, I'd stuffed it into a Polly Pocket. I gave it to Julia, who's also a graphic designer as well as being a great singer and musician. She said uh, that you know she would, she would work at it and I actually couldn't believe what this looked like when when I saw it, the, when it was finished, you know, the, the finished article. It just looks unbelievably beautiful, this thing, and, I, and I'm not going to take the credit for why it looks like that. You know, even though the drawings are mine, it's, it's just such an amazing-looking object, and it has drawn people that wouldn't otherwise have known anything about my music. They wouldn't have known anything about probably... Some of them are probably anything that's happening in Scottish music, because it is a distinct scene. You know the fact that there might be, you know, crossover and uh, whatever, but it's a distinct scene. The book scene is is its own entity, and I had absolutely no place on it. I didn't have any previous. It's not as if people would be like, "Oh yeah, we've been waiting on this. We must yeah. fork out money not only to buy it, but also to come and see and talk about it at, at um, book events." But I think maybe it goes back to the fact that they saw something that spoke to them that was different 
it seemed to be stamping an identity that maybe made it step out of the shadows a little bit. And I mean, the things that that led to, because I was able to, um, I did I Write, I did Book Week Scotland, I did Edinburgh International Book Festival, which people have told me, you know, who are in publishing, it's really difficult to get into. And I'm not even, before that, I was not, I wasn't not known for write, writing anything but songs. Um, and Outwith Festival as well did a great event. And every one of the, the things that I was doing, there was an audi- a different audience. And it was because people had come along sometimes purely out of curiosity, taking a punt, like you say. You know, the risk of potentially being stuck in a room for an hour with somebody who you think is rotten is not something that people would do within... Music a lot of the time, sadly, because they just look it up on YouTube or whatever and they decide at a distance before they have give music the chance to move you mm-hmm. and to make an impression. Whereas I do think there's something something about people who still see books as being as vital as I do and as vital as they always have been, that they will take a risk on something, maybe spend weeks on it, reading a book, going to see... Uh, you know, an event, all of these kind of things, they are the risk I think we miss with music. People should just be listening to everything and have no sort of prejudices about genre or anything like that or or who they think the demographic is. You're surprised sometimes that you belong to somebody's demographic. Yeah, absolutely. And the the physical thing, it's weird because in, obviously it's, it's become apparent that there's less people buying physical music yeah. But at the same time, it feels like there's a there's a backlash of people who want to still buy that. And they, they want to buy it more now. Yeah. Because maybe it's becoming more important to the people that still want to keep this going. Absolutely. And uh, we, we, we were really worried about when we brought our vinyl out. Yeah. Because it was like, it's an expense. Expensive. Luckily, uh, Gribo Records, they really helped us with that one. And you're just worried about who's going to want that. But people do want it. That is... Genuinely, that is one of the best records that has ever come out of Scotland. Seriously. <laughs> I listen to that record very regularly. And I remember the first time I heard it, I mean, first time I heard it, I remember I listened to it, do you know, in that kind of, it, it fits very much with what we're talking about, in that way that people listen to records now, where you kind of just put something on, to sort of when you're driving or whatever, you're it's it's almost like it's a kind of it's an additional thing to what you're doing and it utterly stopped me in my tracks. I don't mean that I crashed my car, not that day. <laughs> but I just realised like, no, wait a minute, this is the kind of record that you listen to over and over again. Even just the fact that it re- the record joins up and I know it's sort of there's a concept and things like that. Yeah. But even musically just the, the fact that as the, the last song ends, yeah. just if you let that start again, yeah. I don't know I've, I don't know much about keys and things. As I say, I'm imposter syndrome. I'm not yeah. convinced that I know much about music except that well, I, the I idea, do it. Well, the idea of Who Took Utopia was the four circles in the Who Took Utopia are the four seasons, so it goes around in a circle Aye. and it ends oh. in the winter and it comes back to the equinox. So that was the kind of the, the circular concept behind that. That's brilliant. But, uh, but yeah, let's, let's move away from Who Took Utopia and talk about your record. But the, the point, I mean, you see the Who Took Utopia, see that, see that artwork? That was Martin Ewan that done the artwork. And 
he did a great job of making something really simple that stood out. Yeah. And I, it's, I, so a few of my friends have told me that they've inspired similar t-shirts because just having Who Took Utopia just bold like that with yeah. a question marks like a kind of call to action. And I remember <laughs> selling some t-shirts in Knock and Gorick and someone had asked me, oh, have you got any left? And I was at a different stage by that point. But I was like, I went, I've got a couple went in my bag and then this guy went, oh, can I buy one of them? And I thought he was a fan. I was like, oh, how long did you enjoy the gig? And he's like, I have no idea who you are. He just liked the t-shirt. Oh, who took you to open it? Same thing. It's that somebody feels that yeah, just a message that, is being like, given to them. I want that. Amazing. I want that t-shirt. Can I have one? And it's like, they don't have a clue what it's about. And I suppose with uh, your book, you've got, I mean, I suppose the reason that all the bands that we hate and all the pop stars we hate do so well is because they've got a very good marketing teams who do branding. So although there's nothing that we would consider, you know, physical that is of any worth to us, to, to, to kids that are enjoying that music, they're seeing the brand. Yeah, totally. And even though they're not getting the physical thing, they're, the colours, the the the... the the signal has been sent out to them yeah, in some way. So what we need to do is try and make our art in a way that we don't just, you don't just make an album and drop it out and, mm -hmm. and just expect everyone to get excited about it. And it's that's a wee, It's a wee bit of a shame, I think, that now so much of the, the way that people consume music, I think that, fair enough, it's sad in a way maybe that that's changed, but I think it's sad that the way that people now produce music is in response to how people consume it. Almost as if, you know, the tail is wagging the dog. We're it's our responsibility for making something to make it, you know, not you know you can't ignore it. It's got to be something different. I think it's a challenge. It's not as if we should just be going right. We'll back down. We'll only do EPs now from now on. We'll only do singles. Well, that is that's what everybody's saying these days. Everyone's saying let's just do singles because the the amount of effort and the the money that goes into an album. Especially in bands, remember it's you're you're a solo artist and ba bandland is a nightmare. Uh, and it's like, why are we doing it? And it just, but I think maybe there's maybe the middle ground is just keep releasing the singles, make good videos, just drop them out, keep the excitement going. And then when you've got nearly enough songs doing it that way, then make a couple of new ones. You've got yourself an album. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's a middle ground. Aye. I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with an EP. There's nothing wrong with a single. What about just, making? What about doing a bunch of EPs and then? releasing them on an album or is that against your rules mm, it's just not how they come to me like no. I don't I don't really write songs I tend to have a whole thing sort of drop like a cartoon anvil yeah. in my head and I don't have a choice if I had a choice I wouldn't have spent three years doing something I would have done it in that sort of really quick kind of and uh, I suppose it would uh, a quick way where it didn't matter if it was disposable because I hadn't really wasted time or whatever but basically, it was like yeah. So she spent three years in something that needs to something needs, you need to get some sort of feedback from that, or yeah. you'd be really upset. It would have been sort of hilarious <laughs> if you spent three years insisting you wanted to do a and book like, as well as the record, and, uh, and then Neil nobody was getting back to you going. Uh, so the I Write Festival said no. <laughs> uh, Guilty Connection said no. No, it's just no. It's just no. By the way. He would probably be quite positive about it. I think he would probably say something like, you know, the message has been consistent. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everybody's everybody's uh, definitely on board with the same idea. So this is, this is a success. That's another, so going back to what you said about listening to bands on YouTube. So what I, tr I try now, 
if it's if it's possible not I mean that's a ridiculous life isn't it I try if it's possible not to listen to a band that I'm going to see that I've not heard of before yeah. because I'm like right I want to be pleasantly surprised and there's so many bands out there that have either got bad recordings or just bad music videos or low numbers or whatever and you, you, it can really affect your decision what they're going to be like going in to see them so if you're like oh the, you know they've, they've, they've got 100 likes on Facebook and they haven't updated it for a year and they've only got one video online and it's a mobile phone video someone took in a, a wee venue with really bad sound. But you're right, I think, about the marketing because it's almost like now, you know, you've got to be a kind of, I was going to say jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. do, you know what I mean? Yeah. A jack well, of do. all it's trades, got, marketing you've got to be, expert as well. You need to be, you need to be a marketing guy and it's not easy to be a marketing guy because the rules keep changing. Yeah. You know, the, the, the people are, different demographics are using different uh, modes of communication and social medias and the companies involved are changing their algorithm so things that used to work a year ago are just not relevant anymore i just think it's dead funny i mean the words like algorithm are now used all the time do you know what i mean i use not, it all the time <laughs> not, but not even used like about music they're used about Aye. like your own personal sort of data and stuff like that algorithms words I mean, like algorithm words i'm a human being words, words like <laughs> troll imagine you know troll just words that you, i mean i think darn actually said something ages ago about it was a headline that was on the news i mean imagine that news headline 20 years ago <laughs> you know like because there's, there's words that everyone's taking for granted now that well, like what? Trolls used to live under a bridge, I not know. the internet. <laughs> not on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, so it's a. Uh, so I think that if we are, go if I'm going to see a band on, I'll, I will try and not listen. And like, the only reason I'll maybe listen to now before I go and see the gig is if I'm running really late and I go, right, am I going to. Need a motivation? Uh, yeah. You want to be there? Am I actually going to. Or, or am I going to have to run? Or can I. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to check out, but in general, I want to be surprised. I want to go and always try and go see the support act, especially if you're one of these people that goes to just watches the big bands that play. Yeah, yeah. it's really weird because it's such a big, massive group of people in all in all genres, but especially in hip hop, I've noticed it's like they're a certain age where they turn out for all the big the big the big guys turning up, and they never they never turn up or pay the attention. The big guys to were the wee guys before. Yeah, exactly. But it seems like people have went. No, I've got my bands. <laughs> I'm happy with my bands I've got, and I, I don't. I don't like change. And I don't have want you to... seen Idols? Yeah, yeah. I've seen oh, them. I'd at, love to see. I've seen them. I've seen them at their homecoming gig in, Brist, in oh Bristol. Oh my gosh! And um, August, it was amazing. It was. It was some bill. It was Lauren Hill, Grace Jones. I nearly said Grace Clones because Grace Clones has came out this year as well. Grace Jones, Lauren Hill, uh, Idols, Fontaines DC as oh, well. Oh wow! Aye. That's. Yep. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's maybe quite good about um, maybe about discovering things because the, the new version of discovering things where you get your recommendations and things. Spotify telling you. I really like well, Fontaine's DC's yeah, album, yeah. but I didn't realise that there were other bands that were sort of part of the same kind of circles. Have you heard uh, The Murder Capital? Yeah, yeah, The Murder Capital, yeah. That's a good record yeah. as well. So I've, not heard the full, I've not heard the full record, I've just heard the songs, but there's also another band on the tip of my tongue that are friends with idols who they were they, 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 they've got a song about them oh it's Danny Danny yep uh, yeah that's a tough name gonna forget yeah Aye. that's a great song well, so he was on stage with them and I, that was the first time because obviously I'd heard the record and I was like but I seen everyone getting really excited about him being on their shoulders and I was like who is this guy and apparently he's like a sort of young 
band. He's a young promoter type guy who just put a lot into the scene and everybody went to go and see him just before Lauren Hill. He was playing in one of the weird stages right. and it was absolute chaos. You know what I mean? It was like, it reminded me of, it reminded me of some of our earlier gigs. I'm not saying they were technically better and, um, you know, a better band than we were in the early days, but just the whole general people jumping on stage, off stage. Uh, fantastic. I'll, I'll find out who they are and I'll, I'll put a link to them and for listeners to... Definitely do. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I think... The thing that makes them different as well, I mean, there's no correlation between the things that I like other than they've always got the same kind of just a bit, a bit of truth, nothing hidden, yeah. and they're a perfect example. And he's so intelligent, like the way that he, the way that he addresses topics, even if you've, you've, I mean, of course, with all the, the sort of topics of toxic masculinity and yeah. things like that, that, that's everywhere, but mm. it's different coming from him. Yeah. And it's especially because there's such a, a muscularity to the sound of the songs when he's singing about yeah. weakness. It's yeah. amazing. It's, they're amazing. A great live band. And I, th I think that it was watching them live that it made me go, right. Well, actually, I kind of, I don't really like their album, but I, I thought it was getting a wee bit overhyped. And then I seen, we watched them just what on the telly on Glastonbury. Yeah. And I was like, I was starting oh, to get incredible. it. I was like, wow. I was really got excited for the gig, the gig then. And then, and then in Bristol, they just the homecoming was amazing. But Fontaine's DC were good as well. There was a, there was some sound issues that were not their fault. But I've seen them at Transmit this year as well. Love Fontaine's DC. Yeah. That was one of my favourite albums for a long time. But just, they're, they're different as well because I didn't realise this. I was reading an interview the other day with them, and apparently they put out two books of poetry before they ever put out a record. Didn't I mean, know that. No, that is that is the, the kind of thing that makes my ears prick up because I think well. This is, you know, nothing to do with being like so-and-so. Yeah. This is nothing to do with being even successful. This is to do with being artistic. Yeah. And I think that's become a bit of a dirty word, the idea that you see yourself as an artist. And it's almost, especially in this country, I mean, yeah, no, nobody wants to, you know, appear like they've got ideas above their station and everything. Yeah. But the truth is that we probably do have ideas above our station and we should go with our ideas. Yeah, that's a, that's a great thought. Do you know what I mean? Why would we hold ourselves down when we've got imagination? What I find interesting is, I don't know if... Another great record that came out this year was one of my other favourite ones was the Fat White Family's album. I've not really heard that. I've, I've heard it's the best It's an amazing album, but they, they're always slagging idols. They, they're, they're always, they're, they've always got a back and forth going with idols and I don't know why. And I think Sleaford Mods... Is it Mods, real? Is it genuine? I, I think it's Actual genuine. I think, I think it's genuine. I think Sleaford Mods have got an issue with idols as well. Right. And the, the fans of either band are like, sort of slagging the other ones and stuff like that most there's, there's also people in the middle shouts to the the smarmy which is the sleaford mods fan group they, they've got some good crack about idols <laughs> but a lot of them love idols as well because they're very different bands but they're doing same idea you know it's like getting a good positive message across there with, uh, with some some nice music that sort of it's just nice to see music like that getting mainstream attention yeah with, with I, it, that does, kind of message. it does remind me of growing up you know, with sort of more kind of, um, I suppose, just less sanitised sort of music in the mainstream. And it must be amazing being being a kid who's getting into music and there's bands like that around who are not like maybe even what your parents liked, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. It's just, it's your own. Well, this, I think this is quite an exciting time for that kind of music though because before it felt like, because the internet, everything was... was going off into their own wee bubbles mm -hmm. and as a result everyone, it was all these cool little scenes happening but it wasn't like 
unifying. But I think like there is there's definitely the last couple of years has been bands that are actually smashing it, and it, you know it's it's good for, and that's that's good for the. Well, it's going to open the floodgates to, you know, your fourteen year olds, yeah. your, your little Peters that were sitting in Nirvana, <laughs> yeah, that are just going to be going. I want to play guitar again, and it's it's making it cool again. I think there are quite a lot of kids now starting bands off the back of it, so I suppose they'll be starts from a better point than if they were going with whatever bland stuff was on 10 minutes ago when people were still worried about selling records. Can we talk about the bands you used to be in? Um, no, not specifically. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I just think it's almost none of my business yeah. to talk about things that I did when, like, for some people, you know, that I played with, that was their band. And it's actually more for them to talk about. Yeah. Are, they still, doing, in, are they still in bands? Are they doing it? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I know that um I know that I've been doing this longer on my own than I've been doing anything before that. Yeah. So I kinda of feel in a better position to talk knowledgeably about what I'm doing now. But yeah. see to be honest, I, I really it, it's always important, see, when you're growing up, you should yeah. be in a band. If you can play an instrument, you should be playing in a band. You should definitely not be doing something solo like I do yeah. you know if you're 16 I'm probably insulting 16 year olds you're probably but some... I just mean I just mean I think it's a good thing it's to an do. education you should be yeah. around other people and I've I've learned from everybody I've ever played with yeah. and I think it's you know it's something that I've got kids you know and I I, I would love for them to be in a band and things and yeah. try not to be embarrassing dad imagine <laughs> toe tapping louder than the band because <laughs> of my extraordinarily developed leg from the foot stomping for 15 years. Oh, you must have also learned from some of the, the acts you've shared the bill with as well. I mean, you've, yeah. you've you, some incredible bands I've seen you support. You, I've seen you support the, the National. That was unreal. That, I, was the, I was the only, um, there, there were two people playing, there was the two people on the tour, the National and St. Vincent. And I was the only person that was, given an opening slot this was the, the national tour manager told me the only person that was given a local support on the entire tour as in they were doing a world tour now that in itself is quite touching you know yeah. as a that's a that is a nice tip of the cap or whatever but i mean they were at various points incredibly supportive of me and even just the fact the first person that I met when I arrived at the venue that night was Matt Berninger. And he was just standing with a cup of tea and he was like, oh, hi, how you doing? Showed me to my dressing room. He doesn't need to do that. It's not working <laughs> for ABC or for yeah. DF or whatever. Showed me to my, my dressing room, checked, you know, are you okay? And he's like, if you want to come in, you can come in and sit with us. And we, I mean, we stayed in touch for a number of years. I've not heard from him for a wee while. They are now stratospheric and the most... Oh, they're incredible as a live band. They're they're unbelievable, and he's he's such a he's an enigma. Like when he performs, he's kind of he's almost the antithesis of me because he he I think probably does get you know nervy and everything like I do, but where I get really tense and it all kind of builds up in my head and then it comes out static pretty much sitting you know and it's my voice that will open up he just goes bananas he's we were we, we went to see uh, them at Kelvin Grove last year and I mean I've I played Kelvin Grove recently as well but I was I was in one place he was around the entire Kelvin Grove uh what do you call that again 
you know what I'm on about? Yeah, the Kelvin the, Grove the bandstand. Bandstand, yep. right? So he was around the entire bandstand, just like running up to people. They're all like singing into his mic and everything. And when I watch a performer like that of any genre, just the idea that they can sort of you talked about breaking the fourth wall earlier, yep. just being able to step outside of the kind of confines of the stage. I'm in awe of that because that's it's practically impossible, thankfully, for me to be far too mobile, you know, that I can I can't play the, the guitar and stomp and run about <laughs> a bandstand. But the idea of, you know, just making a connection, I just I love watching somebody doing that. Nick Cave's another one, just these kind of people that can See, I've seen I've seen them um, the Grinderman. You know? Grinderman. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen them at the bar is I've, yeah. I've not actually seen uh, the bad seeds yet. So I need to, I need to put that right. The new records Quite oh, a yeah. listen. Aye, it is. It is. Um, I listened to it while I was shitting myself on an aeroplane. And <laughs> That's not going to put you at ease. I know. Well, see, I tried, I tried to put it in happy music. And I was like, no, this is this. The happy music's just making me. It's just making me more nervous. It's to you know, I'm, I'm on a plane. It's, I don't like it. It's quite euphoric though that record at times for all. Yes, yeah. it's no, sad. Bits. You know, it's bits. sad, but it's like there's bits. There's bits of it where hopeful. I thought Nick Cave became a bit of a parody of Nick Cave. If that makes sense, I think that's been that's... the case for a while, hasn't it? <laughs> but he <laughs> is brilliant, though. No, no, I'm a big fan, massive fan. I mean, if he turns out to be an actual murderer, get him on. Yeah, Nick's welcome anytime. If he, but do you think that he might end up being an actual murderer, Nick Cave? Wait. And it just, it turns out one day that, research. That, 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 that one day he's done it all along, he was just telling the truth. Well, maybe. maybe. How's Kylie? No one's heard for Kylie for a while. Uh, uh, wait a minute. Now, she was actually, she was at Glastonbury. Nick Cave came on stage with Yeah, her. that's right. She's oh, fine. Yeah. She's safe. She's safe. That was, a, that was a good set as well. See, I've yeah. got no prejudices. I can... Yeah, yeah, you were a fan Open of Kylie. I, I was a Kiel. big Kylie yeah, fan. You were a big Kylie fan, eh? I was, I was not. I, I was. Uh, <laughs> I think I maybe even had something on my door that said something like "Jason fans out." In fact, no, wait. That was that was that was one of my that was one of my cousins. That was my cousin Mark. Yeah, uh, yeah. He definitely had a Jason fans out. Yeah. Uh, notice on his door. Okay, Kylie's Kylie. Watching our Glastonbury set, I was like, that. That's that's a good pop star. Can I? Can I really diss it? Depends. I mean, it depends what people consider a pop star. I mean, I would say Nick Cave's a pop star. Yeah, he's a performer. What what is a pop star? No, it just depends. What isn't a pop star? Well, it just depends on what. Why you're... is a pop star? What? Where who, is a pop who star? Who is a pop star? Yeah, it depends on it depends on the context, doesn't it? Yeah, because there's like there's there's very very underground artists that make good pop songs, but could you call them a pop star? Is Kendrick Lamar a pop star? Yeah, I think so. It we went to see him at Bell Houston, and I would say that was like well, I would a say big he's, pop he's show. Also, he's, also one, he's also one of the the best pop guys as oh, well. Because unbelievable, but he's pop popular, so he makes pop music. So yeah, he is a pop star. But there's other stuff that's very sort of interesting and weird that he makes as well. But yeah. to to pimp a butterfly, I'd never really got into him before. Then I couldn't get that's the hype, unreal. and then to pimp a butterfly as an album is just incredible. I couldn't get enough of that. That's something that I think hip hop albums have never let go of the kind of the, the stream of a whole thing, even if it's not. Yeah, even if it's not mean? good. It's not well, well, that true as well. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you mean you'll find there's skits all the way through it. Yeah. So whether it's just someone making a phone call or like just maybe a sample that comes back in time and time again. And yeah, I think that, yeah, I think somewhere along the line, rock music started thinking they were. 
people started thinking it's cheesy or corny to have a concept, which is really weird to me. Yeah. I want a concept. I want well, a concept. I wouldn't like to read a book that didn't have a theme. Why would yeah, I like I to listen to a record that didn't? And also, I wouldn't want a, a, a shite concept album in the same way that I wouldn't want a shite non-concept album. You don't want an album that's like, okay, this album's about cheese. Yeah. You can, and, I don't know. I be, think you could write a good album about well, you, cheese. You could, you could write a Kendrick good album. Kendrick Lamar could write a Blitzer Prize. Al- I don't want to listen to a shite album about cheese. I would like to listen to a, a good album about cheese and... I don't know. You've thrown down the gauntlet for anybody listening to this to make Throwing a Throwing down the gor- Gorgonzola. Or <laughs> that was well done. Nah, no bad. So what's... Um, we're talk- speaking of hip-hop, actually, you could we talk a wee bit about the the hip-hop battle rap debating society you were doing? Yeah, that was... Is that what you call it? It was word war. Word I, war. I, it was a... I, it just was a way to engage one kid, actually. And I think... Do you know what? We're still talking about the same thing, just trying to send a message to somebody that needs it. Yeah. And it was somebody that I thought he liked hip hop. I wanted to get him. It was so he wasn't doing it. So trying to get him into English poetry style things. Mm -hmm. And he just, as a hip hop fan, he wasn't clicking with it at all. But you were like, you could see as a fan of both, you're like, this is the same. It's it's the same thing. I, I just feel like that about absolutely everything. See, when I read a book, I don't think it's a million miles off. You know, when I'm listening to a record and when I'm watching a movie or whatever it is. And I think it's a shame if somebody's not get the, either the awareness or else, even if they've got the awareness that this is all the same thing, even just the feeling that they've got an entitlement. Because I think sometimes, whether it's a book or a poem's even more partisan, you know what I mean? Where people think, well, poems are for a particular type of person. And that's the exact thing that they're not for. They're supposed to be for everybody and anybody that hears them. Otherwise, they're not poems. Poems are supposed to be expressions. So if they don't express anything to somebody, it's failed, Mm. as far as I'm concerned, you know. So I think it's a shame. It's a poverty for people that they don't have access to the same thing in lots of different shapes and forms. So you just have to be sort of encourage people to be objective. And that's one of the things that's ironic, I suppose, about, you know, I would never criticise why somebody likes or what somebody likes um, in terms of music. Now, I used to. I used to be a real snob about music. And I think not only was I probably taking some sort of superior position I didn't deserve, I was cheating myself mm-hmm. because there was so much that I could love that I thought was, you know, not the kind of thing that I would listen to. And same thing for, uh, you know, books. When somebody's reading a really mainstream book, there's a wee part of me that's still just a little bit snobbish about it. And I might think, oh, but this book's better, you know, because it does the same thing. Can but we it's name a some mainstream books that are shit? Um, oh, I feel a wee bit worried about this because <laughs> I'm still a bit of a, a new guy with books as far as, you know, my opinion counting for anything. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I love, right, if you read David, uh, read or heard, hearing him speak is amazing as well, David Keenan. No. Right, this guy's an absolute firebrand. He's unbelievable, um, and and has written his most recent book um, that came out last year was about the troubles uh, for the good times. It's a fantastic book, but there was another book that was, if anything, even more celebrated called Milkman. Right, and that was I seem to remember. I think it was the Booker Prize winner. Is that right? I could be wrong. It's a prize winner, one of the big literary prizes, and I bought it and I read it. And unfortunately for it, I had read for the good times. And I can't even tell if it's a good book. I know that a lot more people might have read that one because it was such a big headline book and everything. 
although For the Good Times has been winning prizes, it's an amazing book. It's been given lots of credit and plaudits and everything. But that book, though, is 100% a better book about the same thing. But then if I was to apply that to music, and I think, you know, yes, are you like the, somebody likes a mainstream yeah, you, you liked know, the, the album. You liked better, the, you know? the the demo album before ah, got, exactly. the record label. You liked it before the more famous. You don't want to be that person, or you want, or the, <laughs> the or which is actually a bit sweeter and less cliched, but still cliched and still snobbish. Is liking the third album that nobody liked, <laughs> but you're like, that's actually a a very underrated album. After you all left, <laughs> he actually put out his best <laughs> record. I. I mean, good there's probably lots of that happening though. There's probably lots of artists that are that are neither signed. They're not getting on Six Music or anything, but they're still they made some money in the nineties and they're still playing to their, their small core audience. And they're probably making absolute belters, but because it's off our radar, we don't even know. One who I'd maybe shout out for that that came to mind there when I was saying that is Baby Bird. All right. Who you just wouldn't you wouldn't expect that you're thinking you're gorgeous, but. I'm not, I'm not reaching into everything Baby Bird's doing, but every time I do check it out, I saw there's a baby, I hear someone sharing it, and I'm like, that's, that wasn't expecting that. I've not heard him for a long time, but I remember like before that song, he was very much like the darling of the music press, and everything. Yeah, I was talking about it. Yeah, I think he six albums. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. before that one. And you do also, kind of feel like, where did these people go? And I don't mean like kind of in terms of their success or whatever. I mean, like, where do they go? Where do they choose to go? Because they still exist. Yeah. It's a wee bit like, you know, well, I think a I character still, in a soap think, opera. You stop watching it, they're still living their lives. Yeah, they're, they're, I, think, I think they're still, still touring. I think, that, I mean, I don't, I don't want to use him as, a, as an example, but just in general, there's a lot of that going on. And, and even them, I've noticed uh, things that are a bit before my time, you know, bands that I, I vaguely know of, but they were about 10 or 20 years before I was right. old enough. They, they've got very reasonably small audiences. They wouldn't survive in the in the cutthroat world of the charts of a, of a record label would never allow them. Yeah, to, yeah, what are you yeah, doing yeah. playing to this? You know, you're, you're, you're sad, but they own their, their songs. They own their merch. They've got their, they've got their email addresses of their fans and they're just going to go on tour and make a, a living off it. You know what I mean? I suppose it's, it's actually quite it's quite in keeping with the way that things now are as well with people having, you know, what are the, there's, um, oh, I'm forgetting, it's not Kickstarter Pledge. I know yeah. that there was that total oh, yeah, collapse and yeah. everything, I think it was, wasn't it? But yeah. the concept is great. Yeah. You know, that you would, and I think Bandcamp, you can do that as well, so that you've got subscribers. Now, that's more like the old school, yeah. sort of, you know, having an actual fan base, not people that were passing by that were maybe vaguely interested while you were cool. Yeah. You know, it's a real genuine relationship. That's good. That's what And it, it I suppose the good thing about it is as well is that when, if, when someone becomes a subscriber, you can then contact each other a lot easier than if you've just got a passing interest in a band and then the Facebook algorithm decides not <laughs> to tell you about that band that you've liked and want to follow. If, face, if, if you're not paying money for adverts, you're going to lose those people. Although that's people being actually turned into other people. That's terrifying. Yeah. So the least, the last thing you need to worry about is the fact that you don't know when Baby Bird is playing. No disrespect to Baby Bird, obviously. But, you know, it's not so much that people are slipping off your radar. You're slipping off your radar. Yeah. You don't know who you are anymore. Because yeah. you, your, your algorithm is actually you and you've been decided by actually not even a person. You've been decided by a robot. Turn into a robot by a robot. A robot has decided that you're not paying enough on your advertising costs. So, and even 
even if you do pay for an advert, you're not going to be able to reach all your fans with that advert. Yeah. So I could be your number one fan in Glasgow. Just not been out for ages, not been out for years, but I just want, I want, I would love to see it. Where's all the decent music? Where are they? And I would love nothing more than, I don't want to say baby, but because just, just my band X, I want to see a band X and I don't know anything about it because even though I'm following, unless I actually go searching and looking up on a daily basis, I could miss out on that. Like, I mean, without getting into completely paranoid chat, it is like we're being distracted from the things that we like. Yeah, that's really, really frightening. Well, it's not. That's not paranoia. It's just that it's it, the, the paranoia comes in. Why is that happening? But it seems to be because it's just it's it, it's all about the bottom line. It's it makes money. So it's all about engagement, engagement, and algorithms. There's another there we word. Go. There's another word. Engagement. This should be a swear jar for <laughs> just <laughs> anything for related to Facebook or Twitter or yeah. anything like that. Well, if you want to help bands or you don't or you you want to stay on their on their algorithm or whatever it is their, their feed you need to engage you need to engage <laughs> if you want to stay engaged with the algorithm you need to engage in the comments the like put a fire emoji in just stay stay in, stay in contact or this raft is going to go away i can't wait to see fan letters of people you know writing to bands that they love you know and they could be saying like you know you've been part of my algorithm since I first became engaged <laughs> just I remember that first that, I remember that first content that you <laughs> exactly this I is was, the most <laughs> special content I've ever heard in my life I, was, I liked your statuses from the very first time you made content relevant content to my to my algorithm it's Orwellian isn't it we're, uh, we're actually we're having our language changed yeah it's what can you do nothing because they're taking all the language away because they've done anything about it. <laughs> getting on the getting the Reddit, that's what I've done. I've got in the Reddit. Oh, is this? I, I'm uh, preparing for the Facebook to collapse. So I'm I trying to. I don't really know what Reddit is. Well, it's, it's good. It's uh, it's it's good. It seems like that's it seems like there's people there. All right. So, Real human beings. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sounds terrifying. You have to learn how to communicate again. <laughs> No, it just seems quite good because I don't know anyone. I don't have a clue who these people are. So they could be fake people, the robots. I don't know, but they're they're all they're all seem to be asking fairly silly or fairly sensible questions, and people are, are chiming in. Wow, and it just seems to be just a, a total breath of fresh air to community Facebook and Twitter, which has just became a right versus left mm. like shitstorm. And I, you know. I, I, I just can't be bothered. So I just thought I'd give Reddit a shot, and it's, it seems I thought it's well for the podcast. Like, where are the people? Because Facebook's charging you. Twitter people. I thought I would try Reddit see if there's people there and I can promote my podcast. So that's why I got in there originally. But I realised that Reddit looks frowns down upon that. Mm, right. You can't be doing that. You've got to build up your karma points. It's called karma. Gosh, yeah. it does. It sounds like yeah. humanity. Yeah. Didn't think that existed. <laughs> no, you've got to get to the top, and then people will maybe respect what you've got to say. Oh, I've got a podcast. Oh, all right, how many? Then they'll maybe listen to you. I think it's my understanding. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a newbie, as we'd call it. Mm. But I think podcasting though is more. That's more what music was meant to be like, or anything communicative. Yeah. As long as it's done properly, I think all the kind of. I understand sponsorship whenever some people have got to do what they've got to do yeah. to make things happen. And there's always sort of costs involved. There's always things that you've got to do. But I do think that the idea that one minute somebody's having a conversation with somebody and then all of a sudden they break off into an advert yeah, is like surreal. It. I know, I know. That's I think why, it's that's why people I'm hope, it. thankfully due to the patrons, I've not had to even entertain that thought. I'm just like, no, I'm just going to keep building the podcast 
keep building and hopefully get more patrons see if you lose patrons because my chat's not good well, I apologise and I owe you a significant <laughs> amount of money no you just, just, just used only one patreon subscription that's uh, fair <laughs> but the, the, that's the, the exciting thing is is that people are choosing to to support the thing yeah which feels like a more kind of old school fan club vibe of, yeah. and and as a result I don't need to worry about Look, if you get a sponsor in, you then need to explain to the money man what you're, why you're talking about a thing that they don't really want you talking about, mm-hmm. and it skews all your. You can't really, you can't really trust what's been, what's getting talked about anymore. Yep. Depending on what, what you're getting sponsored by, but it's like, you know, it's like what you can talk about anything in the world. Apart from that, that's our, um, that's you know, that's a, a category of conversation you're not allowed to go into, or you don't, or we'll pull the plug on you. Or, it's funny because I mean conversation doesn't really have categories. When somebody's having a conversation, how can you avoid categories? You're not actually speaking about things in that sort of delineated way. You're just having a conversation. You're communicating. The moment you're not doing that, then what are you doing? Well, it's, say for example, you're sponsored by Nutella, right? Are you sponsored <laughs> by Nutella? Are you trying to just <laughs> slip a wee advert? In? <laughs> I like Nutella by right. the way well yeah but have you read about Nutella recently so, so for example right, you're, spo- no. you're sponsored by Nutella I, I, I don't like them and then, cancelled uh, <laughs> no, you're, you'll get cancelled for liking <laughs> Nutella these days but it's like Nutella as far as you're concerned they're just, they're just another chocolate spread and they were just doing they're going about their, their chocolate business but apparently there's stuff involving panda oil or pandas and oh, no, I like bad pandas stuff well, well that's it you've got to make a decision between pandas and, and chocolate so if that was just like a so suddenly that was a controversial topic but everyone was talking about it so if you're sponsored by Nutella you suddenly got to they're not talking about that we, we, we can't talk about that so as a result all your opinions are void Dear. that's what I think and then if you're going to have a random adverse and it's just weird because like I've, I've listened to these things you're just getting random adverts for like the TA and all that just coming into your you know oh, well, join the I've, army I've, I've just joined it <laughs> join, join the army do you know what I mean it's just like, but you should like, yeah I, I'm not fit enough man I'm need to... I don't mean you I was talking to the listener <laughs> no well maybe, so maybe advert the way of the TA then. yeah no I'm I'm getting I'm getting fit so I cycled here this is the second podcast this week I've cycled to as you can see I put on a bit of, a bit of a belly and um, so I'm trying to do that. Quit the quit the smoking. I've quit smoking again. There you go. I believe in it this time. I'm I'm actually done with it. So the smoking ban. When was that? 2006. You you only kept smoking so that you could do that song. Yeah. No. I had was to, it 2006. You, okay. It was. Um, I, I think it was. Well, that that's right. That was actually the f- the first that our first <laughs> our first hit, <laughs> the smoking ban song. And um, obviously, it's not dated well. Has it not? Nah. But, I mean, can you not write about history anymore? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that just the fact that I was kind of like against the smoke, well, it was, it was, I was against it. I'm still kind of against the way they did it to a point. It was just, i just seen lots of, like, especially down in the earth, so just lots of old guys being forced and instead of going to the pub, they, mm. they, were, they were stuck in their ways and they were in pubs where there's only like 13 people in the pub and everybody smokes and they've all got to go outside and as a result, they all just end up drinking in the house. Mm. And I think I took the social. So that was where I was coming from. That was like there was a there was there was the main bit I didn't like. It's a wee bit of a hypocrisy about that. It was I, under the auspices that it's good for people, and yet yeah, I. Well, I think it is good good for people long term, but they'll just if you just forget about the the collateral damage, mm. then it was good for people long term. And obviously, I wouldn't particularly want to be in a, a pub where everyone's smoking again. 
But when I'm well, when I was on holiday, every it was fine. You a beer and you have a cigarette and nobody gets up. Long term, you do. I'm not encouraging drinking or or smoking. <laughs> but we're we're going a wee bit off topic here. It's a conversation. It's a conversation, but yeah, I had I have got a couple of uh, fan questions because before, really, yeah, because I'm surprised. Well, I'm surprised. Fans. I'm surprised because I just only gave people about two minutes just before I All right, okay. before I got on my bike. I went. I mean, I may, I may be. Is it my dad? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. No, no, no. I've not checked it since we started. All right, okay. there's one uh, from Lindsay Lindsay McGee. Shouts to Lindsay. She says, uh, where did the beer jacket name come from? Um, well, not everybody knows that a beer jacket is. I think most people probably in Glasgow well, do. Well, you told me when it was. All ah, right. You, I didn't know, so... A beer jacket is when someone doesn't feel the cold because they've been drinking. But it's not really... It's not specifically about alcohol or drinking or anything like that. I was thinking of, I just think the fact that you go on stage as a solo musician, I think it's, that's a terrifying thing. I don't really know why anyone would do that. I know I do do that and I've done it now for a long time, but it is a pretty hazardous position to put yourself in because if something goes wrong, there's nobody to turn around and blame. And if something goes right, it's mortifying in a way because you look like, or you could look like you're, you know, seeking some sort of praise or something like that. And I'm not, I'm really not like that, you know. I'm quite embarrassed yeah. about everything. I'm quite <laughs> mortified, you know. And, and I think that hiding behind something, particularly something that science has proven does not work, because a beer jacket is very dangerous, doesn't work. It's quite but a good metaphor. Explain you know? Newcastle science. Scientists explain Newcastle. Uh, oh, that's true. Because it's like... I thought it was a stereotype. You know, people just say, "Oh, people in Newcastle don't These wear guys coats." Don't get cold. But I, but I, I, we went in Newcastle. We played a gig there, and they, there was nobody. Well, there was people, a couple of people wearing coats, but maybe, maybe it's because I've heard the stereotype. I was looking out for it, but I was seeing a lot of people. It was freezing. It's tougher than us. We're they, just, they, uh, just didn't care. They didn't care. Delicate Scotsman. Love, love, love Newcastle. Shout out to Newcastle. Also, one of first, one of my theories of beer jacket was it's when you're you know when you're getting told to drink your drinks, drink last orders, get it, and you're like, <laughs> you don't want to be because because obviously you've you've been reading the don't please drink responsibly thing, yeah. so you don't want to you know please get pissed responsibly stickers everywhere. So you're like, right, okay, I can't just down this, but also drinks expensive because of you know various tax and laws, so you put your beer inside the inside pocket. And you walk out with your beer and you drink it at a nice, safe, leisurely pace. <laughs> Non-alcoholic beers. Non-alcoholic beers, yeah. But I think uh, I just because I'm because I put myself in a vulnerable position yep. and hiding behind a name doesn't actually protect you. It just it's it's just a good a good I, metaphor. I think for it's it. good. I like I like hiding behind the name. Aye. I, I think it's good. I, th- I think so. I mean but people start finding out your name. That's an interesting one because you did a good job of disguising yourself for ages and then one day you're in the newspapers oh well I probably that was I, you well, once you're in you, the paper that's it because yeah. everybody reads or everybody read the paper I don't even know if that's the case anymore everything's changed <laughs> people used to read the newspaper and they don't read that anymore either I mean they do but they read it um, online and they share things out of context and all sorts we used to have newspapers that had their own bias yeah I'm only kidding no, we're still, I'm glad but you were still got newspapers because you, you were in you because you, you were 
I remember like I don't know if you were just saying that you just would rather that people at your school didn't know you were an artist that kind of thing it's just so that it, I didn't I don't know this, I, I think a lot right so one of the things that I thought was that I wouldn't want to um, make I wouldn't want to make anybody feel awkward about the fact that their teacher did something that they might think is embarrassing because I don't I'm not I'm embarrassed by everything so I can't distinguish between something that is embarrassing so you're and actually that embarrassed isn't. that the, the kids might be embarrassed I was embarrassed that they might be embarrassed <laughs> So that was the main thing. I'm, I'm not. I'm very open. I'm not. I, I don't. I don't hide that I do this. This yeah. is totally fine. I don't yeah. mind. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. I just, but I kind of understand. I, under, I mean, this was ages ago. You're talking about years and years. And I mean, this is before. It would have been a good few years before drum, probably, because drum was. Oh, yeah. So it was just like it was ages ago. But I can understand that that feeling as well. When I was working, um, at a thing a while back. Like I didn't want anyone to know that uh, the idea of like just telling someone at my new work that I was not that I was in a band or what I did, just the idea of them all googling me, and you know I don't think it's a fair fight. Uh, no, I know because they, they can just they can just stock up and all this information. Oh, I don't I know that, and you don't know who this person is, and they're just hitting you all that stuff. And I don't mind if it when it happens through natural things like you know through music or you know friends of friends and. But just to, to tell to tell someone that I don't know, oh, I'm this guy, and then they just start finding. I, I think some stuff. some people are probably again maybe comes down to being that kind of marketing person. They're you know they've always been that kind of person that tells everybody what they're doing and makes a big deal about it. Yeah. And it's it's just not me. I would much rather ask a question about somebody else than tell them something about me. Because yeah. I think it's it's unfair to inflict how important you think what you're doing is on somebody else. I don't like to do that. Well, they find out. I'm, but you kind of you kind of need to do it though as well. That's uh, the thing. You need catch to do 22. it. It's a catch twenty two. But I don't mind doing it to people that are in my, you know. In my circle, so that's why it's quite good having the with the podcast group. We've got a wee group, so right, it's kind of like people right. are in the group. So I can, I feel, like, I feel all right with, with spamming that a bit more than you know just my normal page because it feels like these people have made a decision to be in that group. Obviously, I've made, I've just invited them, so they might not have made the initial decision, but they can just walk away and we can still remain friends. Aye, because you don't need to promote things to your pals, your pals. Yeah. So the idea that you would be, I, I just think like people who have got very good at branding themselves yeah. and I just, I really don't understand why people would do that. Give yourself a brand. Well, it's just, it's a, uh, well, you've given yourself a brand. Beers, the brand uh, I suppose you're checking. right. You have branded yourself. I know, I know. Your, your brand's I was different. hiding myself as well <laughs> so, that, so that people could enjoy it without worrying about how I feel. I've got another question as well from Che Woodman. Oh, aye. Who says, given that he's played with her a number of times, has Peter ever felt like picking up a copy of Rat Girl by Kristen Hirsch? Got a copy myself, three books away from reading it. Always been very curious about her since I bought Counting Backwards by Throwing Muses in 1991 on 7-inch, aged 18. I've read it. I've read everything that she's ever done. I've heard everything she's ever done. She's one of my favourite people I've ever met. Um... I, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't even tell you how special a person Kristen Hirsch is. She is easily one of my biggest influences musically in everything that she's ever done, all permutations of it. She's done everything, but, you know, she's one of the most constant people in my life as well as a, a friend, which is surreal, you know, that you could go from being... I wouldn't, it was never anything as creepy as I idolised her, but I was so 
uh, inspired by our music that to be friends, I mean, we are close friends, is just, it's like, um, it's worlds colliding. Yeah. No, I mean, I've got no idea why she likes me. She's magic though. She's a she's a, a great person. She is one of the kindest, most compassionate people. But as a musician, she's terrifying because she's got this magic. She's not even... She would tell you that she's not in control of it, that she doesn't, she doesn't know where it comes from. And I feel like that, and maybe that's the thing that we've got in common. I think she's a lot better than me, yeah. but she's she's got a she's got a connection to the same thing that I feel is that is it's absolutely inexpressible what I feel about Kristen Hirsch and her music. Yeah, inexpressible. One of my favourite people in the world. So how did how did you how did that come about? That whole we've been in touch now for a long, long time. Um, was it the MySpace days? It was or before, before that. that I guessed her email address. <laughs> That's an almost impossible thing to happen without some sort of, you know, magical um, incident. But yeah. I guessed her email address, and I was still in doubt when you know we'd been in touch for years, and I was playing a gig with her for the first time about eleven years ago, um, and until I turned up at the venue, I thought this is. This is going to be really awkward. I'm going to turn up. She's not going to know who I am. The venue will have booked me. It'll be nothing to do with her. She'll feel very uncomfortable. Who is this guy? And when I walked in, she waved at me as if, you know, we'd spent years together, pals already, and we'd only really been, you know, in contact over email. It's not, it's not, even then, I was sort of a bit frightened of how distanced that kind of communication is. And then when you walk into the room, and somebody's there who you've been a fan of for your basically your whole life, your whole musical life up to that point, and she gives you a wee wave and comes over and starts chatting about, you know, it was just my son that was around at the time and asked, you know, how he was doing and everything, asked specific questions, and you think, oh my gosh, we are we are genuinely friends. You know me. <laughs> and I and I, I and I, I immediately sort of disarmed from it and realized that. I think immediately at that point, I thought, this is, this is a friend for life. This person's going to be important to me my whole life. And, I mean, I, I've not seen her for a few months, um, but every time every time I'm around her, she's inspiring in a different way. She inspired me with her records all along. She's inspired me with her writing in terms of the books that she's written. But the thing that she inspires me with more than ever now is just how to be a good person. She's unbelievably kind. One of the most genuine people. And if she was here, she'd have jumped in the car with me and come in and, and she'd have been telling me that it's not true. I, get her on it. Yeah. Next time she's in Glasgow, you should speak to Kristen. Yeah, she's the most magical that. person you could ever speak to. And talking about the creative process. Yeah. And the, re the main reason it's so magical when she talks about it is she knows it's magic. Yeah. You, can't, you can't really... You can't explain how you got from this point to that point. Can you talk about the boring bits about, you know, what you did on what day and maybe like kind of, you could deconstruct music. That's not what the magic of music is and she speaks like nobody else about it. Well, you said that you when the, the songs come to you like an anvil dropping, yeah. you said just like you just get a whole bunch of bunch of songs so do you just get a bit of writer's block for a while and then you get an anvil of an avalanche of songs 
writer's block is a lie, isn't yeah. it? Because it, you could write, you could write things at any time because you know basically what a song is yeah. made up of. But the difference is that when something like that happens, and it does happen to me probably every couple of years, I get a bunch of songs just drop into my head, and I know that it's like I've been given my homework. That's what I have to do now, and um, and and so, that's, so the song, this, when the songs are coming in your head, is it is it the is it the melody, the words, everything, everything, everything just coming a winner. Everything, and even if I can't hear what the words are, I'm listening to them, and it's like I'm hearing them in a different room. So, so, it's, uh, so you're just going to be playing, I take it, are you playing the new album or are you playing a greatest hits with the orchestra? I couldn't risk not playing songs that <laughs> yeah. I would only maybe get to do this once, you know. Yeah. So it's a combination, there'll be stuff from the album, it'll blues, all be different than play it the was and it'll be older songs as blues, well. Blues, the bar that never closes. I may disappoint you. Yeah. These are really old, most people, wouldn't, most people wouldn't even know those songs. No. Most people don't know most songs the, that's the, the reality of the, how it is these days isn't it the meet me at the bar never closes I love the phrase the the walls drip in misery sorry is it see if I you're doing that never mind the buzzcocks thing you <laughs> trying like, to yeah. remember okay, my own you, lyrics do, do you exactly know this what one? I said um, the smartest that <coughs> artist welcomes oh, yeah. misery yep, yep. what is that gosh misery's a bit of a continual theme isn't it <laughs> have I given the word misery in every <laughs> one know, of my just, songs just, I might just, have just <laughs> It's not my fault. I didn't write them; they just arrived. That's good. I think you should do. So, so I don't, I don't, don't spoil what you're going to play. But if anyone wants to go, hopefully this will be out in time for you to get a ticket to the 31st of January at the CCA. There's not many tickets left. There's not many. I know that people say that. That's a yeah. marketing strategy. <laughs> Actually, you've sold two tickets. Yeah. Like, guys, you're gonna have to be fast. Yeah. No, it genuinely is. It's yeah. pretty thin it's on gonna the ground. It. It's going to sell it. It's going to sell it. Oh, aye. So we've, we've got. Two tickets to give away to our, our listeners. Thanks to Celtic Connections. Thanks to Celtic Connections. So it was them that contacted you and said, what do you want to do? It was it was the only time that anybody's ever given me a, a kind of a, a credible yes to one of my ridiculous ideas, apart from Neil Wilson. To did the book thing. And then Cord, the people want to get Cord, the, the, it's the book album. Is Silver Cords. Silver, so Silver Cords. Sorry, I've not even heard it yet. <laughs> I've not. I, I, it's because the reason I've not listened to it is because I want to read the book, and I've not, for whatever reason, I've not got bought the book yet. So I'll buy the book right. and the CD. But so it's the silver cords, silver cords, and it's um, on Scottish fiction. Scottish fiction. So the best place to get it probably is from Scottish fiction directly. But you can get it from Waterstones. You can get it um, like the physical copies are in various kind of bookshops. Golden Hair Books in Edinburgh. I've got them. I don't actually know where they all are. Yeah. Probably giving that away. But the, Just Google it. The record's on um, all the usual places. Apple Music, Spotify, all that. Good stuff. But it is much, it's better served with the book. And if you get any, any predictions for the year. Or in fact, no, before you go, and I always like to ask, a good gig, bad gig experience. Can you give us a good gig and a bad gig before we go? Right, I'll start, with all together. I'll start with a yeah. worst. My worst gig um, was shortly after my son was born and I hadn't been doing any any music outwardly for a while and in the background I'd been buying stuff that I didn't need because my music's better when I don't have all this extra stuff but I'd bought a loop pedal a drum machine I think I'd bought other things as well and um, I knew from the very first thing that I did when I was about to play it was a it was a packed venue I was a support but it was a packed venue 
Um, and nobody, I don't think, that was there knew who I was or anything. And the very first thing that happened when I pressed um, the loop pedal, it made a funny noise, like just like a kind of like a zip kind of noise, and it kept going round and round, and it sounded ridiculous. And somebody went, "Woo!" <laughs> and I thought, right, this is this is that one. And everything after that, like nothing worked. I, I mean, I was getting to the end of songs, and I thought at that point, like I'd been doing it for a good few years, and I had a wee bit of a kind of a reputation or whatever amongst people that knew my music, but I'd completely changed it. So if they if they were there that night, they were keeping quiet and pretending <laughs> they knew nothing about me, and I walked straight out of the venue. It's the only time I've ever <laughs> walked straight out of the venue after I played. I didn't even go upstairs to collect any any money or anything. I went straight upstairs into my car drove home and just like gave myself a good talking to so I basically dumped everything extra from that gig on but uh, so that was the worst one and it was because I think it was because I was trying to be I don't know what I was trying to be something I wasn't um, but, but if that went well it could have been a totally different thing I would have never looked back <laughs> and I would have been making that wee zip noise at the start of all my songs but uh, the yeah, best gig you know, I've seen well I've seen oh. I can I think just before you answer that, I've seen mm. you. I remember Brell was a good gig. I think that was Roddy Frame. Roddy Hart. Yeah, another Roddy. Roddy. Sorry, I got my Roddy. So there's quite a lot of Roddy's. Roddy Woodmore as well, there is. D definitely in Scotland, there's yeah. more Roddy's than, than most. More Roddy's than you can shake a caber at. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I enjoyed your Kelburn gig that you played in the Making Things Happen stage. I thought it was good. I enjoyed, I have a vague, well, obviously the National at the ABC, that was, that was phenomenal. Anyway, I'm just, I, I was just trying to think if I could get my favourite one. There's been loads. I've seen loads over the years. I think my favourite one more and more been... as well. Bats for lashes. I, I tried to oh, get you, bat for lashes. I tried that... to get you to get an autograph in the back of my ticket and you're like, no, no chance. I could have done that in the I end know. as well because actually she, I've only met her that one time. She was really nice, Natasha I... can, but she, she, um, it was, a, it was a night of an eclipse and she grabbed me. I, I was just a, a, a as far as I was concerned, I was kind of a random add-on because she yeah. didn't know me before I did the gig. She grabbed me and said, come on, we're going to go and watch the Eclipse. So I watched the Eclipse with Natasha Khan. Yeah. Oh, cool. That is quite cool. That is very cool. Uh, but that wouldn't be my best. My best gig is probably when I did the key sessions, actually. And I think uh, what happens to me just before I play almost every gig is I immediately doubt whether or not I can even yeah play anything remember anything if i've ever done anything if this is all a big mistake yeah and i thought i'm going to just accept this might be a terrible one which is being you know filmed <laughs> and there's an audience there some of whom may maybe know me but a lot of people who don't yeah. and they've just built me up you know before the intro and everything and that was probably the best gig i've ever yeah. played it just went so perfectly the sound was amazing everything was brilliant and i've got the whole thing actually because um, even though they only put some of it on the iPlayer, I've got the whole thing. So is that, is that a beer jacket DVD coming out? I'd have to buy it off the BBC, I would oh. guess, but um, I don't know. Just upload it to YouTube? Under an alias. <laughs> yeah, user 4758. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> don't know who that is. Just do it every couple of days, keep aye, it a bit. No, no. But once a month, man, once a month, build it up. I'm going to end up being blacklisted by yeah. the BBC. No, uh, I will never do that. Yeah. And if it ever ends up leaking and it was nothing to do with nothing me, to do. Yeah, you, I would never do that. But subscribe to You Call That Radio YouTube. It's coming soon, Beer Jacket, <laughs> live at the Key Sessions. Um, okay, thank you very much. Piers, any, any, any final thoughts you've got? No, this has been good. I, I think, uh, I think, I think next Friday is going to be maybe the one to overtake K 
key sessions. Yes, yeah, so that will be the best gig. I think so. We're an orchestra, beer jacket with an orchestra. Sounds absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for doing this today. Thank you. It's getting late, so I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, yeah, cheers, man. Thanks. Nice, man. Cheers. Is that all right? Yeah, it was great, man. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Did we talk for a long time? Yeah, I think we did. I think we did. It was. Um, you got, he cut out no, it's talking about it's fine. You call that radio. You call that radio. You call that radio. However, you want to say it, that's kind of part of the Mastered by Murphy-mish. Murphy-mish. Powered by our patrons. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters.